0: My friend gave me this for my uh chris redfield halloween costume really you know chris redfield like in the <laughs> intro but it's terrifying i barely know how to use it and it like can explode in your face uh do for it to it, that it. it. it yeah no it doesn't like light though i think it doesn't have st- <laughs> I,
1: I don't think it has stuff in it
0: like the fluid or whatever clearly i'm a smoker
2: the l- i love that <laughs> thing that people do where they can like hold it and then they just like psh, and it's just out like and they're holding it and it's on fire flink? yeah no, no 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 they just do it like with one hand like they don't even need two hands they just do these ones and somehow it's it's they turn it on i don't know nope, man i'm almost those people those people are impressive You're it's cool. impressive too Jake. what can i say
0: yeah i just don't need work. like a toothpick in my mouth and i'll be like a cool guy can I just but say as well? You're already a you. cool guy. Yeah,
2: Thank yeah you. I agree. That I agree. A lot. Oh, you're wearing a Hideo Kojima T-shirt. I mean, only the coolest of kids wear Hideo shirts. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. A deep cut of Hideo as well. It's, yeah, it's the, I mean, it's technically the, it's, it's the, not the about cut It's a black screen.
0: Yeah, it's about Psychomantis. It's a Psycho... Yeah. Yeah. Psychomantis is on the back too. I, I oh, can't turn, turn around, turn around. But is it, turn
3: no. around, turn around, come on, do it.
2: turn
0: around,
3: do it. There he is. Oh,
2: are you getting?
3: Are you getting the um? Because the Uniqlo are re-releasing the Metal Gear Solid shirts.
0: What? I yeah. Considered it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Or the collection okay. from like ten years ago.
2: Well, that just cost me some money. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you very much for that. I'm doing
3: a service to <laughs> all the Metal the Gear coherent, perverts. The By
2: it's the so way, good. can we make, can we make sure that Stuart actually puts up a photo of uh, Jake's uh, cosplay for Halloween because it is so. Like which S-tier one? It was which about, one? Uh, he did two.
4: He did two.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. He did two. He did the Friday did show, too. Batman, and then yeah. yes, of course, oh, and, and then much. the Resident Evil one. One might say it's too much. No. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't agree. I didn't
3: anything, dress up so. at all because I was out. Yeah, me either. No. Me either,
2: but uh, we don't really do. Uh, we kind of do Halloween no. here in Australia. I've definitely noticed that we we're doing it a lot more these days than we were back in the day. It's, oh, that's it's cool. taken over. the the brands won the 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 candy makers got their way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so now we're doing it here. You know, uh,
3: if my friends are posting pictures of l- walking down streets where every single person had loads of ma- like decorations and. In- chocolate and the kids were all dressed up and uh greg uh miller my old roommate they went to one where someone had a cotton candy making machine and were Ah, just giving giving kids and i was like when i went when i went trick-or-treating as a kid my mom cut three holes in a bin bag and sent me out as a (laughs) witch okay and i I remember getting yelled at by trick-or-treating so it's a whole other world over here
0: Oh, our words. neighborhood was all right. It was like if you if you walk down our street, it was just like uh, Mary Poppins and movie accurate, like strikingly movie accurate Batman just drinking beer and <laughs> handing out full size candy bars.
3: Oh, wait, you're <laughs> a full size house. It
0: was first year in the new neighborhood. So yeah. it was like when you go to jail and you fight the biggest person there on the first day, It's like you got to like <laughs> you got to like show off. You got to like flex so I was like let's do it well, is, that, is that a thing is it
2: full that's size a is like uh, a is a thing where it okay I, I, that makes a lot of sense I can see that's like kids a freak out cool. uh, also there was
0: one kid dressed like Link and I acknowledged Ooh. him I was like whoa Link and he held up a sword and I was like that's a cool sword that's the master sword and by acknowledging that he thought that <laughs> meant that he could hit me <laughs> So he just started striking me with it, but yes. thankfully I was Batman, so I fucking gauntleted oh, that Good, shit. you had oh. that shit under control. <laughs> Who would
3: win in a fight, Batman or Link? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome great. to uh, the Friends for Second podcast. This is a podcast where four, and sometimes more, Friends gather to talk about video games and stuff. This is episode thirty-three, believe it or not. I'm Jake Baldino. I'm joined as uh, as always, of course, by uh, Ralph, A.K. Skillup, Gerard, the Completionist, and Lucy James. How you guys doing?
1: Hi, we did all right. Good,
0: Lucy and
3: doing I. Good. J- we hung Lucy out. and
0: I raised money
4: for charity for four or five days, so we're we're exhausted. But uh, well, other than that, I feel pretty good. I don't know exhausted, about you, but, but Monday oh, successful.
1: Oh, yeah. Monday it was well? rough.
4: Yeah, yeah, we raised eighty-one thousand dollars for dementia hey! research. Yeah, it I was have the full soul. That's
3: oh, awesome. Man.
4: Yeah, it was awesome. It. Yeah. We uh, we also got to debut uh, gameplay reveal for Penny's Big Breakaway, the new Evening Star game by the guys who made Sonic Mania. That was really cool. Was cool. Really yeah, interesting world right. premiere. Take that, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, it was it was just a, a lot of, uh, if you ever want to see uh, Lucy laugh at my pain, there's lots of, of footage of me getting bodied online somewhere. So lot, lots of waxings and hot sauces. Oh, I got to wax a couple
3: people. Yeah. Wow. I waxed Tam. And is it Barry? Was- Barry. Yeah, yeah, Barry Kramer. Yeah. yeah. He right. was so good. There's a point, I watched the video back, and I didn't realize that you can hear him go, like such
1: a tiny fish <laughs> a little tiny. <laughs> love it.
3: Um, no, it was so fun. But also, I think one of the things I'm also very glad for, like, super glad to be there, highlight a bunch of indies, and obviously raise a lot of money. But we got to hang out with Tam on Monday and just chill out and have like a really nice lunch and just go to the beach. And Hell yeah! And
2: then get yeah, back. I love a nice. lunch. Wait, where was this? Was where was this? L. A. L A, right, right, right. Okay. Yes, not yes.
4: downtown, not the block Ew. that you not only the, know.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was. In, it was in the crypto arena, or it was nowhere. <laughs> I,
3: I booked that my is. Game Awards hotel today, and there was a point where Did I was you? just like, "I don't even need to. I don't even need to look at the address. I know exactly <laughs> where I'm going." Yeah, it's
1: like that, isn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. 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 No, well, that, I guess that's something we can say. We're going to be uh, in L A. for the Game Awards yeah. in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be there doing an in-person episode, which mm-hmm. is very exciting um yeah really always love doing that that's when i say always it's it's the second time we've done it but we've done other in-person episodes in la um this will be the second time we have done it for the game awards though it's a really great night it's just cool it's just celebrations and meeting cool people and um i love it and we all get to dress up
0: Mm, i'm I'm thinking about that
2: What's a zoot suit? Yes. Uh, Are mask. you really,
0: Jake? It's the suit that he wore in the mask. Maybe not oh. yellow. Oh. Like with Hell the yeah. Are yeah. you going to have like big shoulder pads and shit and going like a, out or yeah, what? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I just made that cool. up. I'm not going to do that. Uh, God I'm damn gonna it. Gonna damn why not? Just, just do it. it. I'm going to do the game journalist special, the t-shirt under a blaze. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but. with some, with some like high what tops I do, on. That's baby. Let's go. Yeah, but you're you like the OG. You make it look good. The
1: OG? What do you mean?
0: I'm jealous of
2: of all the people that actually managed to pull off really cool suits and like they've clearly put the effort in and they managed to land it i'm like i don't know if i could ever do that but then one day I've, one day i'll get my shit together and try
3: i have a dress so i i feel like it's easier you know yeah. just, uh, just dress
4: or whatever. Sure. Yeah. sure sure well sure. last year remember how there was so many articles about like mm-hmm. gamers please when you come to the game awards mm. don't yeah like and everyone was like all right, <laughs> fine. fucked. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
3: genuinely, uh, my first ever Game Awards, I think in 2018 or 2019, I wore this beautiful dress, right? It had, like, it was backless. It had this like, gorgeous, sticky-out train thing. It looked incredible. Man was wearing jorts. No, no shade to jorts, but it was like, commit to a theme. Commit to something. You can't just have yeah. the open dress code... You can't give that to gamers because they will just turn up in jorts.
4: Look, there's only two people in the world that can wear jorts John Cena and Skill Up. No one else. Oh, Damn
5: uh, wait, it. Wait, wait. I was and really I it was hoping coming. I was going to escape some. I knew it was coming. I was like, this is <laughs> happening, isn't no, no, it? No. So we're going to do the jorts no, no, no. thing, aren't we? Uh, Fucking hell. John
3: Cena, Tobias Fionke. <laughs> it's
0: a pretty good crowd. That's a pretty good group. <laughs> it's, it's, that, that's a very small exclusive list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll do, we'll do oh, a coor- uh, Ralph will coordinate. We'll do like the- a. <laughs> Do like a group thing.
1: Like well, Canadian tuxedos. And you can wear shorts, <laughs>
0: and we can do like a denim combo.
2: And we need someone with like three quarters as well, just to kind of like so it cascades down and we do a photo a photo together. And then you know, Jenko no, jeans, I like can... a big like
0: with a dragon on the side. You <laughs> know, <laughs> it's denim. you
3: guys have to go as Britney and Justin in the old jeans. Oh, in the denim. In the oh the yeah. Yeah. Denim. Oh, that's denim
0: in right now. That's, that's, Brittany and Justin are in right now. That would so be so hot.
2: Cool. We could we could sell a calendar on that for sure if we did that. <laughs> the <FBS> sure. <laughs> it, would be, it would be super hot. <laughs>
0: we have real yeah. things to talk about. We uh, do. I don't get...
4: know. I'm I'm fine to talk about George for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> is, welcome to the George. George for test. me. <laughs> <laughs> we can
0: do a deep dive. Yeah. Review. I want to game review George. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a busy episode. It's a catch-up because I was gone last week. I was sick. Whoa, we so, missed you. Uh, we a lot of games to talk about. We have uh, a fantastic interview with Kyle Rowley and Sam Lake, the co-directors of Alan Wake 2. Uh, and we also uh, are going to jump into our first topic regarding Bungie and Destiny. Uh, if you don't play Destiny, I'd say stick around specifically because it's about the state of the industry. We've talked a lot in the past about uh, <laughs> layoffs. It's been a big trend this year. Mm-hmm. Despite so many great games and successes, layoffs have been a major thing. And most recently, Bungie is victim of that. Bungie uh, has cut an estimated 100 jobs
3: eight to ten percent of the whole studio and
0: that is significant and i think the community has taken note and people have been very not happy about this a lot of people are questioning like well what am i what's destiny now there's so much to dive into with this but ralph i know you've been like following along with it like Mm. to the letter as soon as it started coming out yeah Uh, what's your what's your like top level takeaway yeah, look, it's like it's 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 very
2: bruising, I guess I would say, because I think with Destiny, the play people who play Destiny are very invested in the people who make it in the studio, because I think Bungie themselves invite that. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about the studio as a family, and they put themselves out there, and they're very values-driven, right? So this is not just some mechanical corporation that produces a piece of software and puts it out. Like it's a relationship that you have with the studio, and it's a relationship that dates all the way back to Halo for most of us, and even before that, you know, you know, Marathon and like mm. all that sort of stuff before. So, um, yeah, like it's it's like when you see this sort of stuff happen, you're like, oh, that is disappointing on its own, on spec, on like on its face value. But then you think about the way that it's happened, mm. the fact that you know Sony acquired the studio and apparently earmarked a billion dollars for employee retention, and then. Boom, like 100 people get sacked. You hear about the fact that the studio, like CEO Pete Parsons, two weeks ago said, we are missing our targets by 45%, which is a whole other discussion. Mm. Let's And he kind of rallied the troops, like, we're going to get through this, we're going to weather the storm together. And apparently, staff were really up for that fight. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, by the way, 100 of you are being made redundant. It's like, well, you don't have that discussion first and rally the troops and get everyone on board for that fight. And then sacked them, you know. And then Pete Parsons come, comes out, CEO, and he's like, oh, it's such a sad day for Bungie. If anyone has any roles, please hire these people. It's like, bro, you are the one that mm. just sacked them. You are not the person to be saying this right now. And then it also came out that there was another all hands meeting or a, a, I'm not sure if it was a meeting or an email or whatever. But Pete Parsons said, you know, post these uh, redundancies. Oh, we kept the right people yeah. to manage Destiny 2 and that's so hurtful to all of the people that were exited you know so there's a lot there that just kind of all of these things pile up and they just make you feel like man that fucking sucks but I I think for me personally the exit of Michael Salvatore Mm -hmm. was one was like the really big thing because if anyone doesn't know he's the um, lead composer on Destiny and has been for a long time now he's responsible for so much of its incredible music and he was sacked like he was and it's kind of like, that If work? you're that good at your job yeah. and you've been there for that long, and even you get made redundant, then what the fuck, man? His it's like,
3: email was so it was very classy. classy. Like yeah, it was, it was, he yeah, could have really ripped them a new one. Totally, and he was he. What like I, hats after that guy? Like holy shit
2: yeah absolutely and And so it's just like that too
0: like i don't i don't even know how a lot of the process works but like what's what's the game plan for stuff like that are they going to have the interns make music are they going to (laughs) go to (laughs) audiojungle.com and download the music like how even not just in terms of him but just the fact that like ralph to to your point how it's a very front-facing company a communicative company and communications and social media and and community management people have been laid off so it's like yes totally what's the plan here
2: well well to be clear there are other composers still on the team so the music will still get made and there are other community people still so it's not like they've gutted all these functions and then it's just like not gonna happen or be outsourced like there's still people there doing their jobs but at a at a reduced capacity and the people that were let go were clearly very talented and it's kind of like those people could have been redeployed toward another end mm-hmm. you know they they didn't need to lose and 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 we talk about like 45% missing a forecast it's like well what was that fucking forecast like yeah, what the, the, the hell you do I mean did the people who
3: got that forecast like did anything happen in that so again sorry do the people who put together that forecast are they
2: do they in get their, sacked they still is, is Pete Passes taking a pay cut i doubt it you know what i mean like it's it's and it's the standard sort of And I get these comments as well from people. They're like, well, this just happens everywhere. Why the fuck are you whinging? It's like, well, the fact that it happens everywhere is kind of the problem. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, It's just really shitty and disappointing, especially given the fact that $3.6 billion for purchase price for this studio, $1 billion earmarked for retention 12 months ago, and immediately jobs are gone when Destiny is like, you know, struggling and 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 it does open up questions about the future of the game about what Bungie's long-term plans are are they looking to sunset destiny not in an immediate sense but maybe it becomes something they put on life support maybe they view it as a legacy franchise maybe it's something like star wars uh the old republic for example which is still maintained but in a very basic sense you know what i mean this is all speculation by the way no one knows how how Bungie planned to approach this it Anything that will happen will not happen soon because Bungie because Destiny 2 is still Bungie's cash cow. They need it to make money. But at the same time, it's like, well, what's their long-term intention for Destiny 2? Mm-hmm. And I think these job cuts really reframe out the potential for what that what that future might be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 tough. I think everyone's pretty bummed about it. Everyone's unsure of the future of Destiny. Um everyone's very pissed off at how Bungie has handled it. Um and yeah, it's it's a very very tough time for Destiny fans mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Well, do
4: you think very... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say Ralph there, there was a report a couple of days ago that folks are are um canceling their pre-orders of the newest uh DLC or DLC expansion pack for yeah. Yeah. Destiny 2. I what are your thoughts on that? Because I imagine that that can't be good for the overall I mean, pop, people that are I think, still there.
2: Yeah, I think those sorts of things are always very tiny, tiny, tiny blips in the overall percentage of how a game is going to sell versus not sell, you yeah. know? And it's it's. I think it more speaks to a broader community sentiment rather than, oh, it's going to... Now the game's not going to sell well. No, the game will still sell a lot. It's the concluding saga for Destiny 2. Um, but, you know... But I do believe that there's been a notable shift in community sentiment. And that I think is the most important metric because um, those really rusted on people are the people that wrangle in their friends to say, hey, come back and let's play the expansion together. And if they're not up for it, then that is going to have flow on impacts. And just overall morale and engagement is so important for a live service game. You need to maintain that momentum. And uh, this has definitely taken a lot of wind out of the sails. So, yeah.
3: Who did you Mm. speak to for this uh, next upcoming piece then?
2: Yes, so we're about to come to an interview that we recorded earlier. Oh, I haven't actually recorded this yet, by the way, sorry. So we're recording this tomorrow, but we're going to splice it in through the magic of editing. But um, we're going to chat with um, three content creators. Uh, one guy named My Name is Bife, who is kind of like the Law Master General for uh, Destiny 2, uh, there's a guy named Aztecross, who um, does broad coverage and commentary. Um, really fantastic at what he does, and there's also a guy named Dado who is kind of like the the proto Destiny content creator from the very beginning, and he's often served as kind of like the the voice of the community in a roundabout way, and his his perspectives on things has always been very valued and sought out. Um, so yeah, three very um, very good content creators, people who are never afraid to be critical of Bungie, uh, but also have a lot of love for the studio and the game. Um, and, yeah, we are about to sit down with them now. And, as, again, I don't know how that chat's going to go because we haven't done it yet, but this will be it. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, uh, here we are. I'm joined now by Dado, by and Cross. Uh, first of all, gents, can I say it's really great to see you. We were just saying before the call that I've spoken with Byf and Dado many times before. It's actually the very first time I've been able to speak to Cross. So, dude- Great to meet you finally. It's that's awesome. I wish it was under better circumstances, of course. Sure, course. Yeah. but uh, but yeah, really good to see you guys, and thank you for making the time. Um, obviously, big moment in the Destiny community. Um, and I guess we've sort of already recounted that in the previous section of the podcast. I wanted to ask your initial kind of reactions to everything that's gone down. Like when you saw this news, what were you? What were you thinking? Like what what, what was the first thing going through your mind? So, Dado, do you want to kick us off?
5: Uh, yeah. I mean, when I first like got up and like was checking my phone and everything. I saw that a couple people were being laid off and I was like, Oh sucks. Sounds like a couple people from Bungie getting laid off. I didn't really think too much of it, but then as you know, they, that first 15 minutes turned into the first hour, two hours. I was like, Oh, this is serious stuff. This isn't just like a couple people getting laid off from a thing. This is like a whole deal. Mm. And I I was a little bit surprised because I don't feel like we've ever seen something like this really happen with with Bungie or the people working on Destiny. Yeah. Um. So it was a bit of a surprise, even though like I knew that like yeah you know population's down a little bit okay, but like you know we've had that happen before and it's never been a huge deal. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, I I got to
6: agree, you know, coming out of it and looking at what was happening first, uh, you don't really know what the shock is like, but I think it was the moment when I saw that uh, Liana had been laid off from the community team where I was like, oh, hold on a second. Uh, expletives have hit the fan. And, uh, sure. you know, I've, Dana and I are some of the few people who have been doing this for close to a decade now. And it's at this moment in time where I think we've seen just about every single kind of drama within a live service game that you can imagine and everything under the sun that has happened. And this was a moment where I think for me personally, at first I was very much sitting in that place of, I don't want to, you know, dramatize anything that's going on because this could just be another you know, episode in Destiny's story, so to speak. You know, this could just be another moment that the community is going to remember and it's going to suck clearly, but I don't know how bad this is going to be Four days later, I think it's hitting me that this is an entirely different kind of event within the community. And much as I am one to sit there and normally say, okay, it's fine, we'll weather the storm, this does feel different. And that's scary. Mm. Terrifying, honestly.
2: Yeah, Cross.
7: Yeah, I, um, man, I was actually taking a nap. I was out the night before I came in, I was taking a nap, and then I just happened to roll over and and pull up twitter and i'm seeing like all right somebody got laid off and i was like there's another person just what and then i'm just scrolling Mm -hmm. through and it's just like everyone i'm like what is going on and then Mm -hmm. that's when the the other news hit that uh i think it was jason schreier's article about final shape being delayed and i that was i was like oh my god i got i gotta get out of bed right now i gotta figure out what's going on and we immediately went live to to go see but um yeah this is uh this has never happened before. Not not like this. I mean, we we've seen developers come and go, right? But mm-hmm. um, but this is a completely different animal.
2: Yeah, I mean, it strikes me that like it feels quite different because of the relationship that we have with Bungie as a studio, mm. and yeah. the way that they kind of invite a very personal connection to that studio through the way they talk, through the sort of the values that they put up in lights. And so, when something like this happens, it feels, yeah, you really kind of feel it in a way that you don't feel it with a lot of other companies. And again, I think Mm it's not just because we are fans of this game. I think it's because of the way this studio is and how it puts itself out there, you know? Yeah. So, does does an event like this kind of change how you feel about Bungie? Do you see Bungie in a different light now post this event than before? Or is it kind of- Yeah, do you know what I mean?
5: I mean, now that we kind of know some more details, like, you know, maybe who is responsible. I talked about this in a a video that I talked about this nebulous upper management, Illuminati, whatever's going on at Bungie. Like, I, you know, without someone to like focus, like, why did you do, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you allow people to do that? And blah, blah, blah. Like, without more of that information, it's just kind of like, I've just, been more sympathetic to the the employees of Bungie as opposed to like there's like the the people who work at Bungie and then there's Bungie core you know sure. and you know I've just kind of felt more sympathy for the employees because they're still just trying to make the best game that they possibly can and I know that they're trying to do that um so it's just it's just tough to evaluate all those things with still so many missing bits of information.
1: Mm,
6: For Mm. sure. It's going to sound really odd to throw it out there, but I think in previous instances, when something has gone wrong with Destiny, with this community in particular, the word grieve has been used. I know that when it came to Forsaken and talking about the changes from D1 to D2, it's something you even used in your review, Ralph. But when it comes to this and watching people that some of us might consider colleagues, some of us might consider acquaintances, and some of us might even consider friends being laid off, it really is the moment of grieving. And I think that the result of that has been, as Dado has said, you know, this massive uproar against, effectively, the Bungie executives. And I think the real knock-on for that of everyone in the community is that the executives are now that separate group. Before, I think that people would have looked at Bungie as... Kind of a homogenous unit, you know? When Bungie Mm. did something, it was the whole company that was speaking on behalf of everything. It may have been Cosmo or Liana, or back in the day it would have been Deej and Urk delivering the message. But ultimately, Bungie was saying it as a whole with their chest. And now it seems as though that line has been drawn between the executive blob and everyone else who works there. And you Mm. desperately want one group to succeed, and you're desperately well, furiously angry at the other. It's sure. it, it's a division that perhaps should have always existed because, I mean, it's a company. But by that same token, it feels as though it only becomes starkly apparent at this moment now, especially mm. now that we know that certain decisions on the executive level were holding back things that the community really wanted.
2: Yes. And of course, interesting to note that when asked whether executives would see any change in their remuneration, they said that is not currently being considered. Yep. How funny. Uh, I think one thing that really struck me, I think the thing that kind of struck me the hardest in this whole thing was like Ma- Michael Salvatore oh, gosh, being yeah. let go. Um, Cross, what would you, when you heard about that news, what were your thoughts on that?
7: I thought that was it for any future content after Final Shape. Really? That's that's kind of what that told me. It's like, are right, if if you're not keeping him, then are we just not going to get any more big annual expansion set pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it just mm-hmm. going to be episodes? And this this obviously led me to just start you know speculating like crazy, you know, into the it's marathon, the new baby. Is is that the direction Bungie's going to go? Um, and you know, and I I even put out a video on it, but I I since took it down because I was trying to find who's the bad guy here. And I was like, maybe it's Marathon. Maybe that's taking all the attention away. When in reality, it, it's it's probably not, right? Like, it's it's probably what we've not seen before, which is this divide between executives. And I think Paul Tassie put out that article, too, where, you know, the chain of the command, they were trying to put things into the game, and they were putting up the chain of the command, but it was getting shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's painful to read. That's painful to sure. see. And then Salvatore going, um, I... I just have to assume the worst at that or at least initially I assume the worst. At this point I really don't know. I really don't know what that future is. I don't want to get too ahead right now.
5: Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think sure. episodes still will definitely be like episode 1 is is definitely going to be a thing. Like, you know, uh, they they have to have something immediately after. And I do think episodes 2 and 3 are going to also eventually be a thing. But I think Bungie's still trying to figure out like what are what are we doing next? Like, are we gonna mm-hmm. have expansions? Like, are we gonna tap into a new 10-year story? Is it gonna be a five-year story? Is it gonna be a three-year story? Are we gonna tell smaller stories? Like, they're still probably figuring out the next big cosmic threat in the game and that's i think that's where some of that uncertainty is also coming from it's like they don't probably even know yet
6: Mm. yeah and perhaps even if they did know this event is seismic i mean the way that it was described by both jason schreier and paul tassi some departments have been almost entirely wiped out which makes you sit there and wonder okay so if there are plans that were put in place do they now need to be either benched or reworked entirely? What does the land look like? Nobody is going to know until the actual damage assessment at Bungie is done. And even then, they're going to have to navigate that. They're not going to tell us what that terrain necessarily looks like, because we're only worried about the destination. And at this point, the people who have to make that trek, aka the developers. So, sure. yeah.
2: Yeah, well definitely want to come to the sort of future looking stuff um, at some point in the conversation for now though kind of want to look at like where Destiny is right now because um, I mean does this feel different does this this time around because obviously Destiny's had its highs and lows and whatever else but does this moment in terms of like Destiny's overall health and its trajectory does this moment feel different than it's than other moments before what have you sensed from your communities as you've been like you know out there
5: I mean, I don't, I don't, someone else talk first. I've been talking first this whole time.
7: Uh, I will say normally this time of the year, like I'm already gearing up my first or second Destiny's dying video. You know, (laughs) I've got the same copy pasta thumbnail and with the, with the graph going down. um, It's too real to even make that video this year. Like it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I saw it probably as early as the final shape reveal. Uh, whereas like last year when Life Lightfall was revealed, everybody was rushing to pre-order. Everybody was hyped. And you were coming off the the high of uh, of Witch Queen, you know, and, and then Lightfall being that Infinity War pitch. And, and so there was no convincing. There was no talking. I mean, everybody saw the trailer and everybody's like, I want it. But the final shape, you know, everyone was still very skeptical. Um, Mm, mm. even though there was some juicy stuff shown to us, everyone was still very skeptical. And then, you know, the landscape this past year, just so many other options, right? Even in September alone, so many other games to play October really, really dipped. Um, I've actually, you know, enjoyed this past season. Mm. I've enjoyed Mm. even festival of the loss. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that have definitely dipped out of destiny and they just kind of tune in to see what's happening. Whether that's just like news, Twitter or twaps right
5: mm, yeah mm.
6: I think the uh you you touch on it there cross and I completely agree i'm it's weird this is actually the most played season I have this year. I looked back through my um guardian rank commendation score, all the different metrics of how long I've played, and yeah, this is the most played season, and I think it's fair to say that prior to everything that happened this week. Things weren't looking brilliant, but they were at least trending in a somewhat positive direction, you know? You were having certain teases of things like the PvP strike team coming up, the next season had some promising things that would be delivered. It was a slow upwards trajectory, but it was at least positive. And that dynamic, and the dynamic of how things are going in Destiny generally, has cratered now. Um, Again, that sounds like a dramatic word, but I think it revolves around the central issue of trust. And... You can you can skin that metaphorical cat 15 different ways, but ultimately it comes down to the idea that people do not necessarily trust that Destiny in its current form or in a form that people will want to play will be around. Mm. You know, that's based on executives, that's based on the revenue losses. It's There is no yeah. trust. Everyone is tired.
2: <clears throat> yeah, and I think... Sorry, Daddy, you want to say something? No, you, you go. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, because obviously Destiny's been a, a, around for a while now, and it's, it natu- it's natural that a game would sort of, like, decline in popularity over time, because that's what happens. We play something for a long time, and then we kind of, you know, want to play other things. Do you think that the current state of Destiny is a result of that kind of general, like, hey, we've been doing this for a while now? Or do you think it's because of some specific kind of missteps and decisions and problems within the game that have built up over time to, to produce this outcome?
5: It's it's probably a lot of things all stacking on top of each other. Like, I don't think there's one specific catalyst. You know, some, some people might point, point to Lightfall as being, you know, like, this was the point where things fell apart. And like, I just... Like, I still think Lightfall gameplay wise, I know people have issue with the story, but gameplay yeah. wise, I still think it was pretty, pretty totally. solid. Like the legend campaign was good. Um, yeah. My hot take for season 21 was that it's going to be one of the better reviewed seasons when we like go look back on it. Season 22 also is kind of following that path. I kind of expect this se- like this year of seasons to actually be some of the best seasons that we're going to get if we just look at them as like a individual season by season basis um so but i think a lot of it is just fatigue Mm. i I think it's just things haven't changed enough that people are just kind of tired and it's also the fact that this year has like it's like one of the best years for gaming uh, since like the year 2000 basically um so you have so many more options and you have a fan base that's incredibly incredibly fatigued on the game uh, even if the game itself is like not in the worst state in the world, it's just people being tired, people wanting something a little fresher in the game, and uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of where I've been. It's like I mm. I don't get anything from, out of seasonal activity. They're never gonna make enough stuff for someone like me where like I'm just crushing grandmaster nightfalls like they're nothing, right? they they're never going to have enough for someone like me so a, a seasonal activity i'm i'm going to tune out but um everybody else is you know a little bit different and I, I think it just depends on uh how how you enjoy the game and and what you enjoy about the game mm. that mm. is causing some problems mm.
6: yeah i uh i'm, g- I'm going to make reference to something that is infamous in the destiny community and i might cause a little controversy here but um, there is the GDC talk that was given after Witch Queen. Um, I want to say it was something like June or July 2022. Uh, and there are some rather infamous slides that were taken from that. Things such as, be careful not to over-deliver, you creating patterns. I don't want to suggest that that is the entire reason why everything has gone downhill. In fact, I think there are actually points from that GDC talk which hit true and just haven't necessarily been delivered on by Bungie. For example, the trust first, then retention, then revenue slide, I think is actually the right way you do a live service game. It's just trust first seems to have been sort of pushed to the back. The major thing about don't over deliver your creating patterns, in my mind, is not this idea that Bungie is content to give us a subpar amount of content For every season just enough to keep us around it's actually the idea that experimentation and dramatic evolution and things that would genuinely change destiny and perhaps keep players engaged and interested have been benched in favor of meeting the requirements for the season and then allowing people to potentially push those further down the road to a point at which it's no longer seen as some dramatic innovation it's just another part of destiny's slow and iterative process I think that's Mm. contributed a lot to the way that burnout has happened within the player base. I think it's contributed to this idea that Destiny is not evolving quickly enough. It's made things feel stagnant. And it's a problem, not just because that leaves it in a state where it doesn't feel like it's evolving, but also because this is actually a way that Bungie has built their entire studio. It's the mindset of how do you deliver consistent live service content? To their credit, they've done that well as far as the actual cadence of delivery is concerned. Now it's no longer about the quantity and the regularity of content. It's about the actual proof in the pudding, the tasting, the stuff that is being delivered to us. I think that's part of what's making it all fall apart at the moment.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. I would say the GDC, I mean, that's a great point, wife. Um, I've got, you know, friends that are, I mean, they, they love destiny or loved destiny. And when I first saw the GDC panel, you know, we broke it down and I was like, okay, I, I see the business aspects. I understand that who Bungie was talking to, who their audience was. Like they're, they're trying to give you this, this flow chart essentially of how to, you know, run a live game. Um, But majority of other people, when they see it, they they immediately lost trust. A lot of my friends that were diehard Destiny fans, when they saw it, they immediately lost trust in, in Bungie. And so it's, that's been kind of a an uphill battle because there's been so many things that have happened since then to show that you're in that revenue cycle, right? Especially Mm -hmm. with the monetization going up. And so there, there seems to be no, no trust there. Uh, So, yeah. And as far as like, you know, what are the things contributing to the decline of destiny? I, I, like data says so many things, I mean, so, so many options of games this past year, Um, you know, also, you know, you could say diminishing of loot. And you know whether that's RNG or versus crafted weapons, uh, power creep. Yeah, power well. creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Uh, you still have you you still have players that are saying the game's not hard enough, right? And then all of a sudden you have players that are like the game's too hard, right? And so there's there's a constant balance and and mm-hmm. um, you know. But yeah, I would say that the player base is uh, is fatigued in a lot of ways. and there's a lot of contributing factors, and it's really hard to just narrow down on one. Mm.
6: For sure. If I as I, I well, I... Sorry, Biff. Sorry, Biff. you go. I, just really quickly to jump in on that. The thing that's really tragic about this is that in that GDC talk, they also describe part of the reason behind not creating patterns and not over-delivering. And part of the reason for it supposedly is they don't want people to push for something excellent in case it creates an accidental crunch culture. And it speaks to something which is more insidious within the industry generally. But it's also one of these scary moments where... If we as a community are going to sit here and say that we care about the way that the devs at Bungie are being treated, we also need to acknowledge the idea that risks sometimes need to be taken, people are going to need time to recharge, and that occasionally those risks aren't going to work, which is the scariest territory for Bungie to be in, but I feel like that's the territory they have to occupy.
5: I, yeah, mm. I totally agree. I think something that people definitely overlook about the whole over-delivery thing as well. It's been a minute since I've watched it. Uh, I need to go back and watch it. But I do think a small part of it as well is just making sure that the amount of stuff you're able to make doesn't cause your company to have to go into crunch mode. I agree. Yeah, and That was
2: kind of my biggest takeaway from what that Yeah, I think that was. is
5: definitely lost on a lot of people. It's like yeah. we, we see so much about like Company X had to crunch 80 hours a week to get this game out the door and they had to do it for six months. Um, but then like, you're also like, but also make more stuff. Like, yeah, 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 totally, you know, totally, it's, totally. it's a tough balance. But I do
2: think, and I think to Bungie's credit, I think they've been really good about putting the message out there about like they care about their people. And that's why this again, this is what I came back to earlier. Like they are a studio that talks about how they care about their people. And so they have talked about crunch and they talked about we don't do that anymore. And they've talked about like work-life balance and, and they talked about remote working, right? So clearly they put they've taken a lot of the right steps to avoid having to crunch their, like, crunch their staff. And I think the player base has also responded to that. And I think most people who are truly engaged in Destiny are like, good, we like that you are not treating your staff poorly. Mm-hmm. And again, that also I makes it a sort of a bigger, it has a bigger impact on us when all of a sudden, 100 of those staff are then sacked. You know mm-hmm. what
1: I mean? Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so, I think one of the things I see just from an outsider is because I I am part of the Destiny community, obviously, but also I exist, I moonlight across a lot of other communities by virtue of the, what I do, right? And definitely one of the things that I see is that, like, when you talk about Destiny externally, everyone fucking hates Destiny. <laughs> they hate it. You know what I mean? They really do. And every every Reddit thread, Twitter post, whatever, there is just this, like, visceral hatred of Destiny. And, like, and Bungie as well. And just this, like, this deep distrust of who they are as a company and, like, their business practices and all that sort of stuff. And I see that. And I'm just, like... That really sucks. You know what I mean? It, that really bums me out when I see that. Because I'm like, I get a lot of what these people are saying. Because I see, like, content vaulting, for example. And it's like, I totally get, like, that sucks objectively on many levels. I understand Bungie's justification for it. It relates to what we just talked about in terms of, like, managing workflow and people and whatever else. But for, for so many people, that's just like a red line. Obviously, there was sunsetting of, of stuff before. There's the increasing monetization of Destiny. Destiny the FOMO stuff, there's just this thing where it's so hard to talk about Destiny externally and I do think that one of the reasons why Destiny is in a tricky spot right now is that it's really hard to be able to have conversations about Destiny externally and welcome people into the game because most of the time they're just like, no, I've heard so many bad things about it. It's, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. Am I making point with that No, I,
5: it, dude. anytime something bad happens with Destiny, R slash Games on Reddit is all over. T- it. Totally, totally, they're and all I, over it. Everyone's yeah. all over it all the time. But like, anytime something good happens, it's just crickets. Sure, you yeah. know. And, and I that just I wonder what Bungie can
2: really. I wonder what Bungie can do to turn that narrative around. You know, because I and I think it's so core to the success of the game long-term. You know what I mean? I look at something like Final Fantasy XIV, which just has this incredible relationship with its community, and it's been able to continue to ride that and build that over time, and it creates this goodwill in the market where people are invited in to test that game, even though the barrier to entry that game, by the way, is like 400 hours of content to be able to get to the current expansion. Don't even get me started, bro. Don't Don't even get me started. So here's the thing, though.
6: It's 400 hours of content, but how many dollars is that?
2: Well, the first 300 hours are literally free. Exactly. So. And those, and <laughs> the first 300 yeah. hours are
5: also just cutscenes and walking around. Yeah, that's around. true. I that's hope you're real. ready we for a 300 it, We won't get into that. I'm not going to into that.
2: But it. let me make this quote well, this, this way. Um, obviously, there's uh, some bigger long term journey stuff that needs to happen with Destiny. We'll talk about that in a second. But do you think there are any kind of like quick interventions that Bungie could make in the near term, in the next three to six months, that are really going to move? the needle on where things are at right now, either internally or w- with the Bungie, uh, sorry, Destiny players, or externally. Like, do you, do you see anything like that? Or is it more long-term pictures?
5: I, I think, I don't know, they've been so reluctant. To me, like, the number one thing you can do is reduce barrier to entry and, like, reduce a lot of the stigma of, like, the game's so expensive to get into. Like, <laughs> sure. if you wait for a sale, it's it's not that bad, but if you're just like wanting to be like I want to get into Destiny and you go look at like all the things that you need to buy compared to like how like relevant they are or well received they are like I'm not gonna tell someone to spend twenty five dollars on the Shadow Keep campaign. Why is Shadow Keep still twenty five dollars? Right? Is that built? I like and yes, I know millions of dollars of research has gone into maximizing how much you should charge for a thing to get the money back. Blah, 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 blah. But so. like you need to start building some goodwill with everyone. Let's make some stuff cheaper. And then otherwise like short term, I don't know. You get, need to mm-hmm. give people more access to the game, more like people like stuff, you know, people like getting stuff for free. They like getting sure. stuff for cheap. Um, So I think that would be like an interesting start, but it's also just so far into the franchise And, like, it's it's literally the equivalent of watching, you know, the final Avengers movie and you haven't watched any other movie. It's like, how do you onboard those people?
6: Mm. So, yeah, sure. I think it comes back to some bigger cultural changes, too. But, I mean, you know, it starts with what was stated at the GDC talk. Trust, then retention, then revenue. And, uh, you know, the way that expansions are priced out is just a microcosm of that, I feel. But... As for what could change things immediately, I think that there's a really clear point to be made, and I am just going to throw this out there with the clear note that there is no expectation that this is going to happen, because this is typical corporate America for the most part. But the group that has lost trust is not the actual developers at Bungie, it is the executive team. And the problem with that then means that they are the ones who need to act and prove that they have regained not just the trust of the community, but also, of course, of the developers underneath them. And there are ways to do that, but I don't believe that anyone on the executive team is going to do it, because they had the chance when it came to the choice of whether to lay people off or cut their own salaries, and they elected not to cut their own salaries, which I'd remind people, at very least in the video game industry, is not unprecedented. Satoru Iwata, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, the late president and CEO of Nintendo, which again has not always been perfect, but back in the time when the Wii U was not selling, he cut his salary in half for five months so that no one underneath him needed to be laid off. And that's a leadership decision. It's leading from the front, it's getting in the trenches next to everyone else who's working there, and it's actually doing something that is a tangible show of I am taking responsibility. The errors that land at my feet, I am not passing the buck. This has to be something that I think is considered at very least, if not done, and I know it's probably never going to happen because you know that's just not how this sure. stuff works out, but yeah. it's not the developers at Bungie that need to earn back players' trust. It's the executives, it's everyone who decides how much Shadow Keep is getting priced for. What, five years down the line? It's the people who are responsible for $10 shader bundles. You know, this is the kind of stuff sure. that's going to change it. It's cultural. It's not a mm. game development, and design decision. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, looking forward in terms of, you know, let's, let's talk about Final Shape now. Because um, Cross, you mentioned earlier that when like fan, Final Shape reveal happened, you or at least your community wasn't really feeling it uh what was your response to the final shape reveal like was that something was it like firing on all cylinders or what were you feeling about the first time you saw it
7: i mean i'm, I'm always hyped for more content right sure, sure. um you know i just looking though i got chat here on the side and i'm like watching everybody and and so i could definitely see the skepticism um from a lot of people but as far as like what final shape's going to bring, I think a lot of people, myself included, got baited into thinking that a new subclass was coming. Although let's be frank for Bungie to have given us a new subclass, you know, back to back, that would have been that, that would have been a, a hell of a feat. And, and who knows, maybe the pushback to June could possibly do that. I don't know. <laughs>
1: that's a tight, that. <laughs> that's a tight
7: window for sure. But that's, that's
5: tough. That's tough.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, at this point where I'm at is I'm finishing this out. You know, I, I want to kill the witness. I am engaged with this story. I wish the story would have been, you know, not chopped up over so many seasons and, and, but, you know, we go catch a bye video and, and, you know, get on board with it before the launch of Final Shape. And then hopefully everybody knows what the hell is going on.
6: So, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, people have sat there and said that hey even if i stopped playing destiny i still come back to get the story wrap from you so haha it's great that that feels fantastic um i feel like uh, the
5: number one thing uh, all destiny creators here whenever there's like a meet and greet or a convention is like hey man used to watch your videos all the time (laughs) (laughs) number one thing brutal used to watch you all the time dude Mm -hmm. yeah we appreciate it yeah but also oh man that is telling
6: the uh, I, I think the consensus of what I was seeing throughout um, people in the comment sections of my content whenever something to do with Final Shapes reveal came up was simply the idea of I am not underwhelmed, I am not overwhelmed, I am whelmed. You know, this was sure. about what we expected, somewhere on par, but it does not blow me away. And for mm. the culmination of 10 years worth of games to to be there... I mean, yeah, I think that it shows that the choice to delay is actually quite a prudent one. It's a very good idea, but the uh mm. you know it it sucks to be there. This is meant to be our end game moment you know i'm 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 just praying for a moment in the campaign at some point where you sit there and you have a moment where you hear on your left in your ear or some equivalent thereof, and you have that point at which it makes it feel as though these ten years have been worth it, and at current. I mean, you know, trailers aren't the actual game, but it's hard to imagine that we'll get there. Of course, everyone in the studio has been saying that, hey, you know, they're going to work to make it great. They're going to do some fantastic stuff. And when it comes from a dev, I believe them. But the excitement is not very much there in the same way it was for things like Witch Queen.
5: Sure. Yeah. I I mean, hey, I believe that they're going to try Mm. I don't believe just yet that it's going to be, you know, super, super insane as much as I want it to be. But, yeah. I was, Were you guys surprised at that statement that Bungie
2: just put out about Final Shape and about, like, needing to hit that quality bar? Like, that, that came as a bit of a shock to me. Because I think, you know, we hadn't really heard them talk at all about any of the challenges with Final Shape. And all of a sudden, they put out a statement being like we know this needs to be as good as forsaken and taken king etc. like was that a bit of a, a bit of a shock
8: um
5: i mean i given the recent circumstances not sure. really um but i think they were just trying to whip up anything in the short term to try to you know reassure people that they're going to be trying their butts off to to make mm. it something really special um i wasn't really expecting a whole lot from them like in in their thursday update at all Mm, like that was the most i was expecting of just like hey we know everything's on fire we're also on fire so let us put a list we're gonna extinguish each other first and then we will come talk to you so that's Mm. uh, that's all i was expecting um but i don't know i it it doesn't really surprise me too much but we've also heard this this kind of talk before like so many times over.
2: Yeah, that was definitely something that came back from again online discussion where everyone's like even people who don't play Destiny were like I have never played a single moment of Destiny but I feel like I've read this statement from Bungie 5 times now. <laughs> you know well, what I mean you have <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it does um it does it does make it difficult. So so I mean, what do you guys feel what cuz obviously there's the story beat that really needs to land with Final Shape for it to like that big thud cool we did it the witness is down and it felt really good to do it. What else do you think the Final Shape really needs to deliver as an expansion outside of that to sort of like get the franchise back on back on track? Cross, what are you hoping for, man?
7: Oh, man, <laughs> Dude, that's that's such a loaded one. Right. You know, this is one of those things like I, I visited this topic a while back and and I just kind of conceded. I was like, I'm at the point where I'm I'm out of ideas, really. You know, right. I, Interesting. Interesting. How to really, you know, there's some MMO aspects that I feel like, you know, Bungie could be doing. And, you know, you see that with like loadouts this past year. um, You see that with in-game LFG coming um, you know, my PvP community right now is still like, yo, down with airborne effectiveness. You know what I mean? Um, well, you have a PvP community. There's a PvP community still playing this game. Like, what? Like, what? What? Oh, it's definitely. Big, definitely. slightly bigger than the Gambit <laughs> <Yeah>. community. <laughs> sure.
5: Sure. <laughs> That's brutal. But, but they're not even here to defend themselves. <laughs> <laughs> stop! Stop! He's already dead.
6: Yeah. I weird.
7: just, I just want to be, I just want to be wowed. And at this point, I don't really know what WoW. Is sure. this point, you know, it being ten years at, at, at going into finalship, like I'm not sure. But in the past, I didn't even know what wild was. But you know, we get surprised, like the whisper mission, right? Like there, there are moments we've had forsaken to, you know, where, where we've been wild. Um, you know, someone brought up yesterday. They were like, "I wish Witch Queen wasn't that standard bearer." But um, I think there was a lot of things that Witch Queen did right. I felt like scope wise. It, it was really good, and weapon crafting was a really big thing that Bungie brought to us, but for better or for worse, because there's still sure. people that claim that, that that ruined Destiny, not being an RNG-based game. But at this point, I just concede, I give it to developers, and I say, please wow us.
6: Hmm. Yeah. I uh, I'm I'm kind of with Cross on this one. I have no idea what they could possibly do, but... It's why the experimentation and the willingness to take a risk is so important. If we're gonna jump on that weapon crafting point, it was a risk. And you know what? Experimenting with something like that and throwing it in the game and committing to it is a ballsy move. And when it pays off, you know, you have fantastic results. I also think, at very least, I should say this because I'm 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 the law nerd in this community. Um, narratively speaking, there are definitely some tracks they can follow. I think if they take a look at some of the highest moments within Destiny's narrative, things like, for me at very least, Season of the Chosen, Season of the Splicer, Witch Queen, these are examples of when Destiny's story wasn't just bombastic and excellent, but it was also really nuanced, you know? This wasn't just a cookie-cutter villain who is there to do bad things nebulously, there were purposes behind the characters and there were complex interactions between them and others based on backstory and culture and perhaps most importantly of all they brought the deep lore that destiny is known for into the forefront and made it tangible and it made it exciting for me that's very important but i think that we need to take that to the 11th degree if we're going to do any of this The reality is that Mm. Destiny's universe has plenty of stories left in it. That's just narratively speaking a fact. We could have an entire game which just returns to the Cabal homeworld and reclaims it from the Hive God of War. I mean, a god versus an empress sounds like a great storyline, but Destiny needs to sell us on those ideas. The game needs to compel us towards those plot points, and it needs to be exciting. So Mm. is it capable of doing these things? I mean, there is potential. But it needs to be sure. properly expressed. and I think again, we need trust and faith that it's gonna get there.
5: Hmm. yeah i i from the from the gameplay side of things, I don't know. i I thought season twenty one's activity where they start to get into rogue light type things. I thought that was a really cool idea. I would I love so to too. see more exactly. unique modes like that tapping into other genres coming out with like new core uh playlist stuff or just new activities yeah. in general um i've always been wanting like a competitive pve thing like where where is my competitive pve trials equivalent thing you know um i like that's what i think they need to be experimenting with is just more mm. options you look at some of these other games from the past you look at something like starcraft you look at something like fortnite you look at something like Overwatch, where people are able to come up with their own custom game modes and essentially put them into the game. I'm not asking for Bungie to all of a sudden, you know, open up the equivalent of Forge because I imagine that is not what the game was designed <laughs> sure. for. But providing a wider breadth of like activities to go try to pursue and perfect your your craft in and your and your skill. Um, I would love to see more of that, just more stuff mm. to aspire to. Um, But yeah, final, I mean, my expectations for final shape was just like, I just want like a witch queen level campaign, just like dialed up another 50%. That's all I was really expecting. Like mm. we're at the end of the story. Let's just conclude the story. Let's have it be a banger. And then episodes is like, all right, where, where are we going to iterate now? Like, I just yeah. want a solid, solid ending to this game, but then, mm. like, it, exactly. It's like, how are you going to convince people to, to stick around? If I can... Yeah, well, I guess that's... Sorry, but I've gone... Yeah, on.
6: really quickly to pick up on that. I know that you said you're not expecting Bungie to drop Forge, but I think you bring up a great point there, which is that community-created and user-created content is a boon to games that have it. StarCraft Two may have been well past its heyday, but there are still people who play that game because of the arcade. There are still moments where the arcade, which is where you can create very intricate custom games within that engine has come to light and has driven its own communities there are games within that game that's how complex and deep it gets take a look yeah. at any other large title that you've got out nowadays take it and think of say Fortnite or Roblox or anything that is genuinely huge even things like Minecraft which has been around for years and you have this one common element which is that you make it very easy for players to create their own content And I think that if any live service is going to look to the future to help fill combat, uh, combat, excuse me, uh, content gaps, you're going to probably want to look at something that allows players to express themselves within this universe more effectively. That I think is a big Mm. point that needs to be hit in the future. And it's crazy to me that it's something that wasn't brought forward from Halo because Bungie made Forge. And before Forge was a thing in Halo, it was a thing in Marathon. You know, it was in Mm. Marathon Infinity. Mm -hmm. Forge came out. For sure. The OG, yeah, yeah.
5: I just, I know how a massive of an undertaking oh, that would be to implement in the current like three, iteration. Three of years Destiny. of work. Absolutely You're right, yeah. right. Yeah. exactly. No like question. it's basically yeah. the equivalent of its own game at that yeah, point. Exactly. That they, they would need to do, which is just, you know, yeah. how do you even yeah. cram so, that in?
6: A hundred percent.
2: So thinking about, well, let, I mean, just like. Thinking into the future, like obviously, final shape drops, expansion happens. What do you think is actually realistically the future of Destiny? Like, if you were to, if you're a betting person, would you say like, oh, Destiny continues to stay as it is now, and it will you know find a new audience and thrive, or would you say, oh, it just kind of like peters out slowly, or is it like ah, oh, it's going to be the same man? It's just it just stays like it is now for the next ten years. It just keeps going like World of Warcraft, for example. It just finds a way to keep going. What are your predictions for what actually happens with Destiny 2 post-final shape? Cross, what do you, what do you want to kick us off, Cross?
7: Yeah, so, <laughs> so, okay, Tuesday slash Wednesday, I was just convinced that, you know, we're going to get the final shape and then we're going to get episodes, which is just going to be essentially seasonal content. But, mm-hmm. you know, and, and no more annual expansions. Marathon was going to be the next big focus. Um, and we wouldn't get an annual expansion for Destiny, and then all eyes would pretty much be on Marathon, and just and I think Bungie legitimately is going to just look at Marathon to see how well it does, but still keep the lights on for for Destiny, of course. Um, I know they've got other projects. They're Destiny working is on what's too. keeping the lights on right now. That's yeah. right. Destiny yeah. is yeah. what yeah. keeping the lights on right. Uh, and yeah. and you know how these other games do. Um, you know I. I don't know how much that's going to play an effect on Destiny unless it's like some some monster blow up like Marathon becomes the greatest game ever made. Right. And then obviously there's going to be a lot. There's obviously be a a shift to that. Um, You know, the episodes thing, you know, I don't know because it's not exactly like we're entering sequel territory. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I there's. Definitely a lot of promises. That was probably the thing that everyone was most skeptical about. I don't think anyone was really that skeptical about final shape, you know, being being the ending that we hope it's or we hope it's going to be. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people were just very skeptical about episodes because people were just like, "All right, it's just going to be a a four month long season, right?" Um. So yeah, I think that's kind of where where Bungie is now. I could be completely surprised. They could turn around and be like. Now we got another annual expansion. We're doing this alongside gummy bears and marathon, but good Lord. I mean, they're going to sleep. I mean, that's a lot <laughs> happening in
5: 2025. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm fully expecting a, a pretty significant drop off of players after final shape. And I don't think yeah. there's pretty much anything Bungie can do about those people. Like final shape could be the, the greatest thing that we've ever seen in the franchise, some people just no matter what are gonna be done. They're just I, I don't care. I've been playing this game for 10 years. I'm I'm moving on doesn't matter. And mm. it, it could be 20%, I feel like is conservative. 15 to 20% is conservative. It could go up to 30, 40% of people dropping off. And so I mean, I still think we get episodes, and I, I think they have a lot to prove with episodes and how those end up turning out. Um, for me, the the big struggle I think Bungie has ahead of them is just how do you onboard new people? How do you onboard people to a ten year franchise that basically for the past five years only gets negative press? How do you <laughs> yep. how do you do it? And it's also sure. a game that you can't start from the beginning. You can't start it from the beginning. You literally there's, can't do it. So yep. There's no way to do it. I mean, if yep. you want to go back to Destiny One, sure, you can start sure. from Destiny One. You three years and then you just have a gap Time jump. You just black and out. you're all, now you're, you're back. The end. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, as as much as people hate the DCV, but also hopefully understand the need for it, I think if Bungie were able to figure out some way to allow people to play the whole game through, that would be a decent start but they need to just wow the hell out of people in final shape and then also the seasons maybe this expansion after final shape would be the new launching off point for a lot of people i could see that cuz episodes are going to be i'm feeling like more of an epilogue type thing yeah, like here I are think the so too. here's the things to like bring us to the new thing right is yeah. the aftermath of final shape we're going to wrap up a couple loose ends here's how it's affecting the world And then Mm. we transition into here's the next new thing that's going to happen to Mm. the world. Mm. And that's where I feel like your new launching off point for a lot of people is going to be. It's going to be a fresh story. It's going to be a fresh, uh, you know, maybe new batch of characters. We don't know. Um, I'm not going to say fresh start completely because we're still going to have all of our stuff, I imagine. Um, But yeah, that that's what I'm envisioning is just a very big drop off and Bungie trying to figure out how to either bring people to the game or keep those people for a little while longer.
6: Sure. So, uh, I think that there is, hmm, I think let's put it like this. I think that it is important to acknowledge where we sit within the community and just gaming's ecosystem generally. Right, which is the idea that anyone listening to this podcast, the people on this podcast, anybody who is immediately aware of this news is actually, strangely enough, and I know this is going to sound crazy to people who are here, it's actually a smaller proportion of people than the maximum number that are playing Destiny. And the reason for that is because there are so many people out there who are just playing it on the regular and just don't even know. There are people who don't read the TWAB, they don't watch YouTube videos, they don't talk about it on any social media they've never even heard of the fact that these have they've got, they've are have got lives they're not yeah. like us yeah they've got real totally. jobs as they love to put yeah it. yeah they go outside exactly yeah, they touch yeah. grass but the um you know this is actually the major overwhelming point i think that um datto what you said about like 20 being conservative yeah something along those lines is pretty accurate i think and regardless of whether it ends up being you know 30 percent or anything higher or lower. I think that there is still something to consider with the remaining 70, 60, 80, however many percentage it is. Because ultimately, it's the people who aren't reading the TWABs, or TWIDS, whatever you want to call it nowadays. It's the people who aren't watching YouTube content. It's the people who aren't talking about this because they're not as engaged that ultimately keep this thing going. And that's something which is both a saving grace and a bit of a problem, because Bungie is going to lose a sizable portion of its core community. The evangelists for this game, I guess is the way you'd put it. The people who would proselytize about how good Destiny is and the idea that people should try it. They're not necessarily going to lose their casual player base who might just stick around with the game because it's what they like to play. It's the thing they play to relax for an hour or two. Those sure. are going to be the people that I think will ensure that Destiny is still around. But as far as its core within the actual gaming sphere, in, including content creators such as ourselves... That's the significant proportion of people that are probably going to call it quits at 10 years. And for a bunch of people, ourselves very much included, that's very worrying. So I think oh. it really depends who you are. Destiny in itself is probably not going to go away, but its community is never going to look the same after this.
2: Hmm. Would you guys want to see a Destiny 3? You reckon Bunny should do that? You reckon
5: for for completely selfish just like number go up reasons and maybe <laughs> just for marketing number purposes go. but like i don't know, i've i've had enough talks to to be like what is what is destiny 3 like what would destiny 3 need to accomplish that they couldn't do in destiny 2 right now like that that's the thing to me is what what does it accomplish versus just continuing to iterate on the game, I get maybe for like technological, engineering, networking reasons, if they would want to be like, all right, we're pulling a sure. CS2, we got to get off a source, a source engine, and over to Source 2. Let's rip the bandaid off and do something like that. That is 100% understandable. But outside of those reasons, ugh, uh, you know, it'd be it'd be neat to see what they could do. Yeah, But I'm just not expecting to see sure. anything along those lines.
6: Yeah. I don't think we'll see it anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that it won't happen. <laughs> no. And yeah. I feel like I would like to see a Destiny 3, but as with anything, I'd love to see it done right. You know, the uh, the studio has learned a lot of lessons ever since publishing Destiny 2, and the major problems that came along with everything that happened, losing all of our gear, and then moving to different systems that maybe showed that some of the core understandings of what was and wasn't good about Destiny in the first place were missing, I think that Bungie is, and I know this is going to perhaps be a very unpopular comment, I think Bungie is wiser than it was however many years ago, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the time imminently for Destiny 3, I think that sure. assuming people get through Final Shape and assuming that Bungie can write the ship, think about the future Maybe think about Marathon. Maybe then, as things continue to pivot, think about the reasons why Destiny 3 should exist and then try and push that boat out. You know? Sure. There's there's a group of people that will be here for it. And I'm sure I may include myself in that if I'm fortunate enough to be around. I don't mean to be too doom and gloom, but YouTube's scary right now. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, it's just one of those things where it's got to be under the right circumstances.
2: Yeah, I, Yeah. I, I I would... Sorry, go across
7: I, I was going to say, like, um, there are a lot of people that are kind of sitting on the sidelines. And when they look at Destiny 2 right now, and they see everything they have to do to get into the game, it it makes them wary, right? Like, it's almost like it scares them away. And so the only reason why I think I would want a D3 is, you know, it feels like everyone would have that fresh start. Yeah, sure. Whatever sure. that fresh start may be, but it, it, mm-hmm. would, it would feel like a fresh start for a lot of people, right? Um,
2: yeah, I, I think as well, for me personally, I mean, I would like to see them do a Destiny 3. I would like to see them just kind of like wipe the slate clean in as many ways as they could and just like, well, let's have another swing at this. Not because what's here is bad, but just because that fresh start would be really an interesting project. And I think that the idea of what Destiny is, like you are a Guardian in space fighting aliens and getting cool guns. Like that is pretty, you can do a lot with that in different ways. And I would just- I think it would be fun. But if Bungie were going to do that, I really would like them to make another game that achieves similar things to Destiny, but like a new IP. You know, like Marathon, for example, which we'll talk about, like, I, I'm i interested in Marathon, don't get me wrong. But am I going to be a Marathon main? Is that my next thing? Hell no. Like, it's a its a competitive extraction shooter. Uh, i I know I will enjoy that game for a bit. But that's not the kind of game that I come back to and that I have like a 10 year relationship with. So I would love for Bungie to think about maybe a new IP that is that kind of MMO light thing that would welcome a player like me in. Because I think they've done really extraordinary work with Destiny in so many ways. I would love to see what else they could do in that space. But, um, but yeah, coming to Marathon, obviously, how are you guys feeling about Marathon? Are you guys pumped about that? Like, what do we- Because we don't know. Okay, right. I mean, we'll cross, for example, you had recently heard from someone who had some inside track on Marathon. Like, what did you- Just for the purpose of people watching you who hadn't heard that, what have, what have you heard about Marathon so far?
7: Well... <clears throat> So at the at the time, right? Like I was looking for that that boogie man. Like, what is the thing that's taking all the developers and all the attention away? And so, Marathon was that easy target. And as someone who also plays PvP, the biggest slap in our face was, "Hi, here's this here's this new Pv you know extraction looter shooter." But here's this essentially PvP game that's going to have dedicated servers, something which a lot of PvP players have been asking for, Um, although you know, whatever technical issues that not being possible inside of Destiny. Um, but, you know, just from what I've heard, you know, there was, there was a, essentially a, a play test of Marathon from some Tarkov streamers and, you know, they weren't necessarily, you know, that crazy about it, but it's also been pushed, you know, to me that it was a, it's a pre-alpha, right? And so, um you know, to put so it under it's, it's, so much scrutiny yeah, yeah. is is wrong, right? Sure, I, sure. I, I probably shouldn't be doing that to it. And I have not played it. And um yeah, and it's also been pushing me that, you know, that it's its own thing. It's its own entity. It's its own wheelhouse mm-hmm. and that it's not actually taking Destiny developers away.
2: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, for example, Dado, like, do you see yourself really suiting up for Marathon? Is this the next thing for you, or is it like you just can't say because you just don't know?
5: I, I, yeah, I just don't know. Like Tarkov to me is not interesting. I've, I've watched my friends sure. play and I'm just like crawling around in the grass for 10 minutes at a time <laughs> to for someone to sneak up on you or snipe you from 500 meters out. Like that's not fun for me. Sure. So it would completely depend on what the game actually is. I haven't mm. heard anything about Marathon. I haven't seen anything about Marathon. No one's tried to give me inside information about Marathon. The only relationship that I've had with marathon is a friend telling me uh a, a long time ago maybe like like I've seen it that's it like okay. no info I have no information literally no context for anything at all haven't I haven't been invited to an event mm-hmm. um I don't know if I will be invited to an event uh and also my channel is not really meant to be like the Bungee channel it was just the Destiny channel, of course. Um, so, would I like to be entertained by it? Sure. If if it grabs me enough, would I like to make content on it? Sure. But without even like seeing any real gameplay, i totally. just kind of like, uh, talk to me when it comes out, or talk to sure. me when there's a alpha or a beta, or I get invited to an event. If I get invited to an event, something. But mm. until then, it's it's impossible for me to make a call. Okay.
6: Man, uh, am I gonna give a answer that is going to apply to practically nobody? Um, I, I, I think I can agree on the stance of I am absolutely not about crawling around for 10 minutes only to get murdered with a precious piece of loot that I was desperately trying to get out there with. Um, yeah, that, that does not, that's totally not what's gonna appeal to me. But the really weird thing about it is that as of, uh, the moment that Marathon was revealed, I knew that there was going to be a deep story core to this game. And the weirdest part about that is that that's OG Marathon DNA. Like, it is originally a series of three campaigns. And you want to know how crazy it gets? There's literally time travel and cyborgs ascending into godlike beings. And it that's is the a... The Vex, right? It's. <laughs> I wish it was that easy to explain. It's. It's a whole bundle of crazy. And it's brilliant for it. It's wonderful. It's got incredible story bits and pieces that I'd love to tap into. But I just don't think it's the kind of game that's going to necessarily provide that because it is yeah. an extraction shooter. What's the story of Tarkov? What's the story of Tarkov? Anyone got that Tarkov lore? I don't think it's I don't think it's
2: that deep. Yeah, I don't think it has that. Maybe it does. We don't know. Indeed. So, yeah, but I think it yeah. is. It, it is a big. Uh, it is a big. I think gamble for hmm. Bungie to be pushing out into this space because I mean you had Halo, and that was, and I think Destiny is a natural extension of Halo. It's another. You know, wear a suit of armor and run around with guns, shooting aliens and PvP and on offline. But then it, p- sorry, PvP single player. But then it had this whole MMO light thing that it brought. It felt like an extension. This doesn't feel like an extension. This feels like a big jump. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see their take on it. I really am, and I'm I'm keen for it in terms of I'm. I think the design work they've done is incredible. Like visually, it's just like astounding. Um, and I think as well. You know, given how few resources Bungie has put into Destiny's PvP for the last few years, I have to hope that they've gone into this instead. And if that's the case, I would like to see a really great PvP experience from from them. Uh, but also at the same time, I know that that's, that game is not for me, you know, and so therefore, unless Destiny is really popping off... Uh or there's some other IP coming out in the next little while, then I think I probably would have less of a relationship with Bungie going forward if sort of like Marathon becomes their focus, or if Destiny doesn't sort of evolve in a way that's likely to to keep me. So um yeah, so I mean, I think that's pretty much everything we want to discuss today. Um okay. really want to thank you guys for your time. Um final any final thoughts you want to close on before we before we wrap?
7: Um, uh, I want to say one thing about Marathon and sure, sure. um, even though I I've never really been, you know, crazy about extraction shooters. Leading into Destiny, I don't think I really played any looter shooters. And so, if Bungie really does present something here that's that's out there, you know, maybe they will convince someone like me to to give Marathon a go. Mm-hmm. Um, now I do want to mention something here, and Ralph, you can keep this in if you want. Um sure. It's been passed on to me that. There is something extremely unique about Marathon that no other extraction looter shooter has ever done. Okay. Um, and so, and I was, I pried. I was like, okay, well, can you give me any, no, I, don't, I got nothing else. No. So <laughs> okay, that's okay. all I was told, as vague okay, as okay. that is.
2: so. Sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? I don't expect Bungie's going to half ass this. Like, they're not just putting out some, eh, we'll make Tarkov, but with 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 in space. Like, that's not right. their style, you know? So, I'm sure whatever they are going to put out there. And I also think they're going to try and speak to us as best they can. Like, as when I say us, I mean the Destiny players, people in, in, interested in the PvE experience. I think they're going to try and reach toward that community as best they can within the constraints of this ultimately being a PvP game. What that looks like, I don't know. But I think that's very core to Bungie's DNA, and I'm sure they're going to do what they can in that space. So, uh, and again, no, no extraction shooter is doing that right now. No extraction shooter is at all trying to speak to PVE motivated players. So, if Bungie mm-hmm. can like crack that part of the code, then that would be a, a big win, I think. So, um, so yeah. But look, I uh, want to say a big thank you to all four of you. Um. It- Dado obviously, Dado, Byte, F- Astecross. De well, their details will be below in the description. Uh, please go check them out. They make fantastic content and have for many many years, um, and hopefully we'll continue to do so for many many years. Um, so nice. uh, thanks very much, <laughs> thanks boys, and uh, I'll hopefully we'll speak again soon. Take care, Bye. Take care. A few months ago now, we were sponsored by AG1. I personally had not uh, heard of them before, but they sent us all samples. And I personally have been taking it basically every day since then. Uh, It is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health.
0: So I've been kind of living in uh, like renovation and construction and stuff like that. So I haven't really been able to eat real meals because like I don't have an oven right now. So uh, (laughs) I've kind of had AG1 to kind of back me up with certain things. Months ago, I had actually replaced my like daily multivitamin type thing with AG1 because it's just like a fun little green drink, way more simple than some boring old pill. But uh, it's because of all the stuff you're getting. You're getting prebiotic, probiotic stuff for gut health. uh, But you're also getting things that I I don't normally get a lot of like uh, vitamin C, uh, vitamin B, and that makes a difference, especially when you're like me and you don't have a stove or a microwave and you're, you're barely eating.
1: Yeah.
2: I actually like that it tastes nice mm-hmm. because when I saw this, I was like, oh, it's a green liquid thing. and That's probably going to taste like the worst possible <laughs> imaginable imaginable <laughs> thing but it actually tastes quite nice and that makes a real difference as well because given that you're drinking this every day you don't want to like wake up fearing the thought of having to drink it it's quite pleasant so yeah
3: it's a part of my routine now like i wake up i go and i have my ag1 and it feels really nice that one of the first things i do in the morning is do something good for myself and like you said yes, well, if it tastes good it, it kind of sets my day off on the right path
4: Totally, totally, Yeah, AG1 is a supplement that lots of folks uh, trust to provide and support their bodies daily. And we're stoked to have them again as a partner here on FPS. So if you want to take ownership of your health today, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com friends. That's drinkag1.com
0: friends. Check it out jumping back well, the biggest release <laughs> from the last week or so is alan wake 2 definitely took a lot of people by storm uh i really loved it uh lucy i know it is absolutely your jam it's my shit. like just up your alley so what's your like non-spoiler take
3: i can't believe this game exists
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> like wow. I, like
3: that, isn't I? I I remember when Alan Wake came out, and it was just like, oh, like this guy's a this guy's a not a typical video game protagonist. He's first of all, he's called Alan, and second of all, he's a he's a writer. And I, but the gameplay mechanic was so interesting, even though I guess by you know mid to end of the game, you're kind of overusing it. And then if you dug into the story, it was just so weird, and there were all these breadcrumbs, and then the balls on remedy for ending with it's not a lake it's an ocean and then going yep well gonna have to wait 13 years to understand what that means (laughs) yeah um but then even even with the gameplay of this one of like their first stab at doing survival horror implementing things like the the case board the mind plays i think for me rewriting reality is such an interesting gameplay mechanic and none of it is i don't think it's overused either um interweaving narratives like just not being afraid to be so so weird. Uh, mm. Possibly the funniest game I've played this year too. I know we talked <laughs> about like the commercials and stuff before. It just yeah, I just can't. I can't believe it exists, and I'm so glad it does. Mm. I I finished it the other day, and um, anyone who has been following my journey to become the ultimate PC gamer with an OLED TV. i think i had the best possible experience because also the clocks are changing so it's been dark at you know 6 p.m every day here which has been fantastic i've just been playing in the dark uh on an oled tv and it has been yeah with all the rtx stuff turned on and it's been it's been pretty
1: great love to
0: see it it's been
3: pretty great Yeah, visually
0: it's pretty nuts um (laughs) graphically but also art direction like Control really had it figured out with, like, incredible lighting and, like, bold titles and all this great, like, like, light and dark imagery. But I think here, the the best thing is is the jumping between the two worlds. So there's Saga's woodsy world and then there's uh, Alan's noir, grimy, dirty, like, turbo New York. Um, And the contrast is so awesome. And flipping back and forth and the kind of, like, different feel different style different visual like even a little bit of like gameplay differences Mm -hmm. was really good pacing wise the way i played i jumped around as much as i could oh you did okay
2: yeah Yeah, i did the opposite i I just played through saga and then i played through alan
3: i would do Uh, one and one
2: okay right yeah yeah fair enough i I found it was really nice to play through unbroken Mm -hmm. and then i noticed some callbacks and then as you go and play the other side of it it reminds you of things you experienced many hours ago and you're like, oh, cool. It's this part that I'm up to now. And you kind of, I really like that a lot because it sort of,
0: yeah, brought me back to those memories that I might've forgotten about had I not done it that way, you know? Yeah. I So I jumped around a lot because like I, I liked the feel, but I also, any opportunity I could, I wanted to move back and forth because I was like, let me see if I could break this. Like, is this going to hold <laughs> up? Am I still going to understand the, the core, the, you know, the base story? And I did thankfully, which I think is a testament to like, that's, that's pretty tricky. Like, yeah. so the fact that I was able to tell what was going on and keep track of things was yeah pretty good.
2: Totally. Yeah. Uh, narratively, it's, uh, it's, it's like very unwieldy, but I think it's still, I think some people are like, nah, man, this collapses. It just it doesn't work. And I'm like, I can understand that, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't come out here and say, oh, narratively, it's watertight. It's totally perfect, whatever. I can understand how some people be like, "No, nah, this just, just didn't work for me." Fair enough, but for me, it worked. Like I was on board with its messiness. I was on board, oh, yeah. on board with like its self indulgence at times, you know, uh, and just seeing all those mysteries sort of coalesce. It was fantastic. I yeah, couldn't couldn't get enough of it. It was twenty hours, and I was just yeah. like riveted from start to finish. Even in the slow moments, I was still like all in. It really was just like
0: well paced okay. I also was just very happy that like from a gameplay perspective I really liked it the combat and the survival horror elements are simple it's not the most yeah. like complex third person shooter or anything but uh, it was just challenging enough I liked the enemy types specifically in Alan's world uh, it's not often I play a game where like I find the enemies that unpredictable and they make me skittish because uh, you know I was like at this point it's like I've seen it all you know I yeah. can, I can yeah. handle it. but th- I was on my toes for just shadow enemies constantly I was like I don't know what they they're going to do I don't, oh, scary. I don't know if this one's going to throw stuff I don't know if this one's going to teleport and then you yes. start getting nervous about regular shadows in the game world that aren't even <laughs> men like it's <laughs> yeah. really well done
2: yeah, no, I agree. I think the saga enemy stuff wasn't as strong because it was just yeah. kind of like teleporting zombie men. But the shadow stuff was very, yeah. the way that they, they, they sort of look at you and they'd be like,
6: Alan Wake. And you're like, whoa. You know yeah. know
2: what I mean? <laughs> oh, and uh, and they're sort of like sh- walking slowly towards you and you're like, should I go left? Should I go right? You know, should I try and run past them? Is that one going to grab me or Is not? That that they do and then sometimes
3: yeah. they'd fucking clothesline you and knock yeah, you into do, the
2: Yeah, they do. They do. And you're like, oh, I come thought on, you were man. cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I reckon they really nailed that enemy design stuff. It would have been cool if there was some more enemies and some, like, I don't know, some more, some deeper elements to the combat sandbox, you know, because obviously you it to something like Resident Evil 4, it's chalk and cheese. Like, there's just so much more you can do in combat in Resident Evil 4, so many more enemy types. But what's there is really, it really works, I think, a lot, a lot. Except I didn't like the upgrade system. Did you guys like the upgrades?
3: I liked it on Alan's okay. side. Okay. I... I liked what they were doing with encouraging you to go and find the Alex Casey lunchboxes and stuff. But it felt like the economy was a little not in my favor compared to finding words of power
7: Sure, on sure, target sure, sure. side. Yes, um, definitely.
3: Also, I think it's really funny. So uh, Gerard, the way that you upgrade on Alan's side is uh, there are these uh, arrows in the environment. And if you shine your torch on them, that kind of points to basically this big scrawl of words and then if you shine your torch on it you get a word of power and then you can apply that as an upgrade but they're they're named words of lamp word of lamp (laughs) word of of, uh god word of aid or something but word of lamp kills me every time
2: (laughs) word of lamp is good i love lamp i love lamp (laughs) i love lamp um yeah
3: you find uh (laughs) you find fan fiction (laughs)
2: that's right <laughs> little <Yeah>.
3: cut up <laughs> am3 uh,
2: yep. yeah sorry joe what were you gonna say
4: i was just gonna say um i haven't really i played control and i loved control control is nice. wonderful i just started playing the original alan wake a couple of months ago to anticipate for alan wake 2 and there's just too many games we so never got around to finishing it yes. and uh It's it's on my very small list of games that I will play just for myself this holiday season. Good. I'm taking a holiday break for a couple days. Good. It's it's Alan Wake and a couple of indie games that I'm like really focused on. I'm not touching Baldur's Gate three. I'm not. If I touch it, I won't. I will play nothing else. And I'm
0: not ready for that lifestyle. Yeah. Alan Wake, a good time, like a weekend lights off, headphones on. Perfect for that. Yep. uh can i freak out a little bit about just like how just the the alex casey stuff the imagery <laughs> yeah, and yeah, use yeah, yeah. of james mccaffrey's voice the, the use of sam lake's face and just how hard they go on all of that and like the cool factor of it the presentation <laughs> of it the amount yeah. of references and callbacks to their other games that felt just right didn't feel like overly like bang you over the head but like finding little tiny max pain things here and there finding can, like all, all kind. like i don't want to spoil anything but like that stuff just like i haven't like gushed about this yet excuse me like in a video so like fuck i don't know
2: yeah no i agree it was it was so well handled so they so it was so it was very self-aware without it sort of feeling like they're just kind of jerking themselves off you know it was yeah. it was they really struck the right balance of uh of knowing that they had a great history worth celebrating without it being yeah that kind of yeah with the winks to camera and all that sort of shit where you're like all right we get it yes you made max Payne, that's fine like if they they just got the balance perfect
0: exciting too like it, it's just exciting the word specifically because and it's the same reason why like gerard like with control like why i liked control is that you can look at control and you can look at alan wake too and think like Oh, they really love that. They're they're they definitely are referencing that. That's they're definitely their thing influenced that they do. by this. Yeah. But even with all those influences, it the, the product itself, the end result thing, is so unique. Like I can't really point to another video game and be like, oh, that's like you know, that's like yeah. Alan Wake, or that's like control. Like they are so much their own unique things, despite all the influences. And I, mm. That's like a really impressive and hard to like pin down. Thing and Absolutely. so
1: Finnish. yeah. That's <laughs> it. Like, I love the finished stuff.
3: I don't know. So, um, when uh Control came out, we did audio logs with them, uh, about the Ashtray Maze. And I think there was a bit that we actually had to cut, which was talking about you know, they were trying, they were getting more finished stuff in there. And so, Arty, uh, there's a whole scene, I think it's as you're going to the Ashtray Maze or something when you're in the foundation of the oldest house. And he's talking about, oh, you hear sound effects from a sauna. And they talked about, oh, you know, yeah. how they're trying to incorporate more Finnish stuff in. And I'm so glad that in Alan Wake, too, they just went for it. Got all in on it. All in on all it. In on it. And it's like, yep. even though someone who grew up in, I guess, formerly Europe, Great Britain, <laughs> don't really know that much about Finland. Never been. Sure. Not really uh, familiar, uh, I guess, until, yeah, fairly recently.
2: I want to go and have a sauna in Finland. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Me too. <laughs> They're really serious about it over there. Yeah. So, like Japan and Finland, they seem to be very serious
0: about their saunas. So, oh, yep, yeah. do it. Yep. The problem is yeah. that, like, without a shirt on, I look like ET. So, <laughs> I really... yeah, I want
1: I, no I rel- judges. I I, I really I
4: relate to that, Jake. Without a shirt on, I'm E Honda. So I totally understand
0: where you're coming from. <laughs> oh. Well, nice. Nice. I I like that we did manage to talk to kyle and sam specifically about uh some of that finnish influence and like you know the game having an identity about that so uh i think without further ado we should roll that interview because it was it was a lot of fun a lot of good insight so uh sam lake you know you know him kyle rowley if you don't know him now you do uh (laughs) co-directors of alan wake Two. here we go Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I want to dive right into specifically the fact that you guys are co-directors. Uh, for the layman, Kyle, I'd, I'd like to start with you. How does co direct <laughs> Oh, isn't that great? The hug- I'm just listening
2: to the audio. They just hugged. It was very cute. It was adorable. <laughs> very, cute.
0: very wholesome. So, so how, Kyle, how does co-directing work? Do you split duties? Is it like one person handles Saga, one person handles Alan? We have no idea.
8: I would be right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's... um. Well, we basically me and Sam come from like uh, very like different backgrounds. Like Sam comes obviously from a writing background, and um, my background mainly comes from design. So it's a very nice split there in terms of like like areas of responsibility. It doesn't mean we're not like constantly not talking to each other about like all those different things. Exactly. <laughs> 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 like when we're, when we're doing reviews of like whether it's gameplay mechanics or whether we're doing reviews of like story stuff, we're normally both there. Um, both working together on that and it's also very beneficial just in case like someone gets sick or you know uh some, sam had to go away for quite a long t- time during the production of this game to actually kind of finish the story because
9: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah.
8: <laughs> <laughs> and, but, so like at that point it was like i was just kind of doing all the directing and then you know and then me and sam were sinking all the time so you know it's just it just it helps i think from a production perspective as well, just like how we kind of split those responsibilities, and it wasn't just us really. Like we also had um, our art director Yanni Pulkinen uh, very much involved in that whole process. So it kind of comes from a, a kind of trifecto of like art
9: design, art design, and, and, and narrative. So yeah, but but it's been it's been a big success from our perspective i don't honestly think that we have we would have on 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 creative matters we would have argued once during the whole thing like like it wow. it, it, it just so much a shared vision what we wanted to create and, and 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 this is including janne who is a genius on 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 visual things and understands the technology very very well behind it as well what is possible and what is not. But it's 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 been a wonderful process. And and I also do think like that that games are just growing so big and so complex uh that that uh it it, it feels that that by this kind of an approach uh we can we can for sure get more done. Uh, uh, than one person would and 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 the great thing I think with me and Kyle is that we care about everything in this game a lot, but at the same time, when it goes to details, we don 't necessarily really really feel passionate and care about the same details <laughs> so 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 just kind of like pushing certain things forward and and catching certain things, we have a wider spread. Between us, especially during the, when we were doing, we did a lot of reviews during this kind of production. Obviously, we we're playing the game a lot,
8: and yeah, when we we're sat together, like some with someone person would be like, "Actually, we should probably need to change this," and we'd be like, "Oh yeah, that, definitely do that." And that's kind of like the same thing for the whole of production that we kind of were on the same wavelength. I think it helped that we basically we started on the project together. So from the very beginning, came up with the concept together, pitched the game together, like worked on everything basically together from the start right until the end. So that kind of really helped.
0: That's interesting because you guys have gone on record saying you've wanted to make Alan Wake 2 for, what, 13 years? So what was it that was keeping you from doing that? Was it just money? Was it an idea? What was it?
9: Yeah, well, that 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 part is 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 maybe more on me because Kyle wasn't wasn't at Remedy <laughs> back then and <laughs> through all of that those years. Uh, it's it's just that these game projects are massive, uh, and and. Quite a few things need to come together and click together uh, for it to happen. Well, a right partner, publisher, and funding <laughs> to begin with, and 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 I feel that our industry kind of die, like does this waveform of of where 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 the trends are and and what is the interest and what is what what's the portfolio of the publishers and 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 all of that coming out of Alan Wake one it just felt like everybody had moved away from single player story games like it it fe- felt like it needs to be open world it needs to be multiplayer uh or all, all of those things and and uh yeah even like and and what had happened at microsoft studios was our kind of like hot first address to go and pitch the sequel as we had done the first game with them uh like people have shift, had shifted around. So suddenly we we were actually talking with a whole new group of people, none of them who had been involved in the original game. And they were just like looking for something else. Uh, but, but even back then, in that concept, because these concepts for the sequel have evolved quite drastically through the years that, that we have kind of like taken to publishers, in that one, there was an idea that that uh, between the game missions there would be a live action uh, episode or story and 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 this was something that they they were like really keen on immediately they were not really interested in continuing alan wake uh, at that point but but
1: mm-hmm. they they
9: were like can you do something custom for us uh, that would have this idea in that, uh, nice. in, in the concept, and that turned into Quantum Break then. Uh, oh, wow. And after that, like with Mikhail Kasurinen, who, who is the game director on, on Control, the whole franchise, uh, we created a pinch, pitch for Alan Wake 2 that was kind of a. It had some of the ideas that Control embraced on the design side, coming from Mixu, really, uh, is, you know, the superpowers and the kind of a hub-like structure of it, uh, and 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 at that point, kind of feedback we we were getting was uh, maybe it should be closer to the original game, but but we were excited about these ideas, so we decided mm. like no, we'll do something else with these ideas, which turned into control, and 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 after then, while like coming out of control, then we sat down and and let's create a new concept. For- right, so basically, it was because I was available. That's why the next one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice, very
9: nice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> my, you, you, yeah.
3: So all the pieces are coming together um, for Alan Wake 2. You've got Epic as a, as a publisher. What was that relationship like? Was there ever like any pressure to maybe change from Northlight to using Unreal? Um, have they been supportive of the project the whole way?
8: De- yeah, definitely. No, no no, pressures on basically any on the creative side or production side or technology side. They've been amazing. In, I, in mean, I mean,
9: like pitching pitching to them and, and sitting in that room like Hector Sanchez uh, on the publishing side, like he got the vision immediately and, and he was really excited about it. And, and all through the way uh, they have all been and Hector in the front line championing and, and and defending the creative vision that it needs to be our creative vision, and, it, and it's been really, really nice. Yeah, and we've and had
8: good counterparts. on like design. Jeff was amazing. Nico on production. Yeah, like, like yes. every area that they kind of we really needed support from, they kind of helped us. And like, yeah, there's no way that this game would be the game it is if, if it wasn't for them supporting us in that
9: way. Because so. it's always really, really hard. Yeah, <laughs> to make these games, and 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 there are you know struggles and 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 difficulties along the way.
8: That there was uh, there's always those kind of odd meetings you have there where I remember the one we had where they were like so this narrative's pretty complicated and we were like <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when is complicated I don't know when people are going to understand it we're like at the very end they're like oh that sounds pretty scary like don't worry we'll come together we'll be fine
2: <laughs> so do you guys see that relationship with Epic deepening in the future is this. Kind of, you've been through this crucible now, and it's like you know, onto the next thing. Or what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
9: It's too early to say. Like, like I, I said, we we've been really, really happy with them, but but also we we've been just so focused, so focused in creating this and 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 getting it done, and 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 kind of like as always, like things are coming coming together in in this kind of a scramble of chaos just very very focused on that and and there is the dlc plan which will take mm. us uh, li- like in the, into the next year um so i'm i'm sure that there will be discussions but it, but it's too early too early to really really kind of like have anything nailed down on that
2: so sure. yeah right So, coming back to what you were saying about the writing side of things, the story, and you're like, this story can get pretty complicated. It certainly can. Uh, I'm very curious, like, what the starting point for that was, though. Was it always clear in your mind, like, I know exactly, or at least, you know, I know where this needs to begin? Or were you kind of, like, looking around for some inspiration? Or, like, what was the beginning of the writing process for this game?
9: I mean...
8: You came across an echo scene. Is that... (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, and,
9: and, and and move I'll, the
1: camera
9: and this way on and that. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, the the I mean, the story has changed quite a lot through the years on different concepts, and and and. Uh, but maybe because of that thinking along the way, uh, when going into this, I, I I did have a very strong vision of of the story that I wanted to tell. A lot of the details were missing in in on on different levels, but 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 certain kind of like, you know, setups and twists and and ideas and themes were there when we created kind of our pitch for it, like like this deck uh and 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 then it's the normal actual iteration process of diving deeper i i, I got Tyler Burton Smith who worked with us uh on Quantum Break uh, uh screenplays and 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 he's more focused on film and tv and has been for for few last years but i love collaborating with him and and uh i called him up and and we spent several weeks uh, workshopping the details of the story like things that i i hadn't figured out like and 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 came up with solutions and and then i continued iterating in to get a synopsis and get a treatment i have never done collaboration this closely with anyone usually it's back and forth and 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 but but it worked really well and 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 i was really really happy with that and and happy with the screenplay as well, once we got it done. No,
8: mm. yeah, it's hard yeah. because, so, because it's such a narrative driven game and um, we still needed to obviously, we were still making the game alongside us trying to figure out the story, uh, as is always the case. But because our kind of our game mechanics are so directly connected to trying to help tell the story until we figured out, like, how does the plot board work? How does yeah. the mind place in the case board work? Mm. Uh, like, what's the structure of our game until we kind of and, like, How, how do you, when do you, when can you switch characters? Like, how does that whole, like, dual narrative even work? Like, until we kind of figured that out, it was very difficult for Sam to go away and write, write the screenplay as it, the locked one. Um, so I think that's kind of, that was one of the challenges we had. Like, we were doing proof of concepts, which are kind of like mini versions of each side of the game and, we were like Sam. We need a narrative for this to prove that we can tell a story in this river concept. But he was like, "I need to write the story, the actual story." <laughs> like, yeah, we also need you to write this other thing. And he's like, and so it's like those kind of juggling of priorities and like, which is always the difficult thing when making a game on this scale with uh, with this much narrative. So, how,
0: yeah, how did you keep it all from? I mean, like with callbacks and references and the depth of the plot, like how do you keep it from collapsing in on itself? Is there like a whole team behind you guys? Is there like a lore master keeping track of everything? Even like <laughs> scene <go> switching?
9: <laughs> no, no, and I I, I I want to here officially give my big thank you to all the wonderful fans keeping keeping Alan Wake, Vicky's uh up to
1: date.
9: I confess, I, I trust these people. Uh, and, and that's, <laughs> that's great. I love that. <laughs> that was we, we said something about this in the original Alan Wake, but I can't, for the life of me, remember the details. Okay, Alan Wake, Vicky. Okay, uh, that that's. What it was so, so that is very really, f-
2: in keeping well, with the meta narrative i think yes, where the yeah. writer gets <laughs> his cues from yes. the wikis that were written by the fans based yeah. on the writer's writings that's perfect yeah,
8: yeah, exactly yes yeah. it's um, written by the community just as much as sam i guess <laughs> <laughs> I mean we do have a full narrative design team as well on top of obviously the writing team and they're they kind of like uh led by simon bassler who's like kind of like and kind I'm of tracking everything we have stuff obviously logged in our kind of internal documentation uh yeah because the, the as you, as we said the story is kind of complex and and there's often times where I'm playing and I'm going like what
1: the hell were we meant to be doing here again <laughs> <laughs> like, Sam,
9: Sam, Sam <laughs> explain it to me uh, yeah, it's, yeah yeah it's been it's been sweet that that now many people in the team who have you know worked on this game for years and 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 then towards the end started playing it and go you know, like I didn't know
1: it's about this
3: <laughs> I it. So And Sam, obviously you are in the game. Uh, what was it like writing mm. for yourself?
9: Oh yeah, I have I have a I have a I have a story about this. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. <laughs> you, you know, uh Ansi Matta, who who is our wonderful, really talented uh cinematics and live action director and 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 a wonderful guy, in the sense that that kind of like he has the experience, but but he had absolutely no problem on letting me run around like a crazy person on the set and direct the actors and and remind everybody oh this connects to that, so we need to do this and 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 once again, like teamwork and a wonderful collaborator and and but anyway, An- Ansi, AnSI was at this moment of like, well, we have the short film. Uh, in there the Yö, Nightless Night. The 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 short film where, where I have the pleasure of uh acting uh it's great. with, <laughs> with, with, it's with, with really, really kind of well-established really talented Finnish kind of like big name actors like Martti Suasalo as Ahti and Peter Franssen and of course Ilkka Villi. Anyway, I, I wrote the screenplay uh and and uh I'll openly kind of reveal things that didn't go into the game now Uh, (laughs) because of the nightingale scene at the beginning of the game and Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be these twisted echoes, uh, the the character I'm playing ends up, well, bad things happen Uh, and, and and how I wrote it to echo that was that this guy is stumbling through the forest naked B- mm-hmm. because yeah, so and and, and 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 as a writer, I'm fully focused on this is what the story is supposed to be and 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 then we we are on the set with <laughs> like a lot of people on the <laughs> set, and we have the whole forest built into the studio, and I go like. Do I really need to be naked? <laughs> and, Did you question uh, and, mark? And and answer goes like you wrote this. You wrote this. And I go, yeah, but, but that was the different me. That was the writer. And I'm now here talking to the director as an actor who I really need to be naked. And he's like, you wrote it, like whatever. You can like, so so I'm I'm not quite naked, except in the sauna scene.
2: So, right. Yeah. Okay. But- uh, serious question next: Who the fuck wrote those commercials?
9: <laughs> so it's 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 interesting as well. Like like Tyler uh, Tyler Burton Smith wrote them, and he's right. Canadian. He's he's not Canadian, okay. he, <laughs> he did live in Finland for for <laughs> a few years, and 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 obviously has been exposed to the culture. <laughs> right. Truly. And, and 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 there were like obviously these ideas on what these commercials are about and what should we joke about and focus on. Those we we did figure out with Clay and gave to Tyler that can you please write this? Because like, like he's not here, he's in the States in LA and 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 so, kind of like we were looking for these modular things that that he could just take and write, while we are focusing on the bigger story. So Tyler did, and and yeah, they 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 are hilarious. I I, I love them. Radios too, right? He, he so did. Radios did too, right? Well, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Because they are uh, genuine. When you get to when you see the TV on, you're like, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, baby, Straight
4: let's
1: in.
8: go another commercial." All right, well, <laughs> they are just like, like uh, you know, having a bit of like comedy in in a horror game. I think almost it like makes the the, the horror even scarier. You know, it's so, kind of like yeah. I think was, like, we talked about this before, but yeah. like they kind of like work very well together in heightening each other. Um, and yeah. especially for like Alan Wake, the franchise, like we've always had this kind of like small town Americana vibes in there, you know, quirky characters. A bit and daytime scenes, we can just wander around. So having a bit of levity throughout that kind of horror experience. A bit, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, kind of like I think it just kind of like pacing wise, it also helps us to to help uh, you know on the on the on the on the player side. So yes.
2: <laughs> um. Actually, and kind of circling back to what you said just a second ago about like Finland, like how because obviously you know you guys finish studio predominantly uh Finnish dev team uh and you really mm, put that out there in your game you know what i mean like you can really feel that cultural impact in what you make why is that so important to you like why do you, why is what is the choice to do that and, and how does that manifest in in the way that you work
9: yeah it's interesting like, like uh i mean these days remedy actually is pretty much 50/50 Finnish people and then like people of uh from all around the world so so uh very kind of international team as such but yeah we 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 started out uh, uh here and and i'm a finn and and so like like very much my 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 native culture i i feel i've grown into it in a weird way that that kind of growing up it was always like i i was really really a big fan of you know uh, American popular culture uh, in all the different forms, and uh, and and all of our games have been set in the U.S. So, so been drawing very much inspirations out of that. But then, like, the, there are these elements that I feel are Finnish, like like the whole snowstorm setting of the original Max Payne, or or the idea of Pacific Northwest, you know you know the wilderness and 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 you know light and dark which is a big thing about kind of seasonal change in finland like like winter time is pitch black and summer is all light so so there are these things have been there but then year by year maybe it's about growing older and starting to be nostalgic or 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 just kind of like being able to realize like that that our culture here is is unique and 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 something that that kind of is close to my heart and I feel proud about and 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 it's very fresh and unique and exotic, you know, uh, like like seen outside. For the rest it. of us, sure, In, of course. Even things that might be here a cliche is certainly not a cliche of like like what kind of a you know this this kind of a comedy figure of of a Finnish man say and and drawing from that to Ahti in some ways uh these elements and Ahti was so well received like like Mm. positive you know feedback and 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 Martti Suasalo the actor winning that year's BAFTA award for the side role uh, and and honestly, he didn't even know what Bafta is when, when I told him. <laughs> but like because he's so focused and all like he has done leading roles in multiple Finnish films, he's done theater, he's done musicals, he's done everything, but only in Finland. And right. and so so that somehow gave me the license of like, okay, we can go, we can push this, we can keep on
1: totally. going. <laughs>
8: There's the thing interesting though, because like when we were going through like after we'd already built it all, actually, we we kind of put it in front of like obviously like external reviewers, and one <laughs> of the questions that Epic asked was like, "Is this game too finnish?" Like, <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but it, it came out like, no, no, great. Like, like, definitely so, um, not. I, yeah, I really think it's one of the most endearing qualities of the whole game hmm. because it is firstly unique, but secondly unique to you guys, and it's just one of those things that really makes it kind of reminds you that remedy made this video game you know and it's nice to see the kind of fingerprints you know what i mean of culture on works you know what i mean so yeah i I really love it
9: and honestly even even saga's character i i and obviously old gods then then like having a nordic origin point and nordic background and 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 on saga's side like she says early on that that the family on on her mother's side uh, originates mm. from Sweden, and she has that the very Nordic wool sweater li- like like, also very much something seen in Nordic noir. Uh, so so even, even there, I felt that that kind of like we can we can bring it close to home in in
8: many and the, ways. And the team take it quite seriously because I, I don't think I've ever seen so many bug reports about a sauna not working correctly in our game <laughs> 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 we had on this project like. It's just, this is sort of not working correctly. This leaf is in the wrong place. This stone is not in the right place. This is yeah, and there and, not a steam and, coming uh, out.
9: And, and and I've had this impulse uh, when whenever like we we were demoing with with the watery mission. Yeah, and 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 people were playing, and I was watching them play, and they went into the sauna and they came out, but they left the door open <laughs> behind. <laughs> not supposed to leave the door open because nice. like all the heat like like escapes so so yeah yeah anyway like i feel now and 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 we can say this looking forward before somebody now tells me you need to stop this is enough this is now too much well i i I think we'll have more finished stuff yes (laughs) definitely (laughs)
0: that's good news that's good news love it what about the uh, coffee-themed theme park? Is, it, is, there a, <laughs> yeah. is there a Finnish equivalent or something like that? Because it felt, as someone from a small town who had a little weird theme park in the woods, you, you nailed it.
8: Yeah, I think that, well, that started because, well, I actually can't remember started, but I remember when we were first on this project and I was doing this an example, like mock-up of like how we wanted to structure a mission, for example, you know, including, you know, backtracking, making it more open or whatever. I had just like, oh, I'm still something generic just to get the structure across. And it was like a theme park. And I remember Sam going like, oh, we should maybe do this. He's like, yeah, we can't do just a theme park. It needs to be, how do we make this like Alan Wake theme park, basically? (laughs) And then we went, I think that's kind of like where this idea of, you know, setting it in like a coffee themed one. And obviously it's being set in the Pacific Northwest, a very small town. I think setting it in the middle, like it's kind of like a run down town, right? So I think that the having it there where it's kind of dilapidated and, and there's this overgrown by
9: nature, I think kind of just artistically was also just very appealing for us. So Yeah, and obviously it kind of going back to, you know, original Alan Wake inspirations and Stephen King and all, obviously an amusement park is is kind of your your horror uh mm. setting, setting to begin with but how to then find ways of making it unique and 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 finland is like we are uh like number one in the world in coffee con- consumption so
2: really yeah mm. we are wow yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's big all right fair it's, enough. Yeah,
9: and it's many
1: pretty, pretty
8: like strong coffee as well it's not like it's like tastes like diesel to me i can't drink it <laughs> <laughs> nice. it's like, nice. like in nice. the matrix where he's drinking that That
1: stuff.
3: Oh, no. Uh, So Remedy Connected Universe. um, It's very funny that you guys kept saying you don't have to have played Alan Wake or Control to really get Alan Wake 2. But I feel like you really get Alan Wake 2 if you have played the other games. Uh, How conscious were you of making Alan Wake 2 connect to everything else? Like, was the Remedy Connected Universe always the goal? Or was it something that over the course of the past decade or so you've just kind of fallen into?
9: I, I I kind of feel that the, that the whole thing began really really with the with with the idea of Easter eggs and 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 like I I do love in literature kind of metatextual like uh, things and feel in postmodern writing overall that that's always part of it and and part of the fun of it kind of analyzing it. Um, and, and and games kind of naturally always had that. Even even way back when like there were Easter eggs and they were usually jokes or or just kind of like you know having a texture or a sign of, of, of some kind. And and even going to then original Max Payne, I, I I really felt this is like a cool thing and we can do stuff with it. But then at the same time, we wanted to have another playable character we wanted to have a saga with no prior knowledge of any of this and 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 for new players and 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 even old players come, coming into this new experience and world of this game like she learning she's discovering and and so are the players I, I I really really like honestly think that that kind of how how we how we approach this and and well that that's for everybody to say how we succeeded was that that it it needs to be thrilling and enjoyable, even if you don't have this knowledge, but really it's also a love letter to to all of our lovely lovely mm. fans from previous games, mm-hmm. and we wanted to kind of have it be dense and layered and and a ton of things waiting to be discovered mm.
2: and do you think that do you think that that is going to guide you a lot for your next projects as it what well, I guess what I'm really asking is would you ever feel constrained by that do you feel like every project now needs to do this or you know is it likely that Remedy's next you know two or three games are going to be something totally different outside of this connected universe Yeah we
8: definitely yeah, start um, with like what is this what is this game that we're trying to make like and what what what's What makes it unique and what makes it stand out by itself and then after we've kind of found the foundations for the game and and its story and and everything then we can start thinking about how we can make those connections like Mm. um, and you know we have a few different projects going on inside Remedy so you know people see that and different people work on different projects so you know they see stuff that's happening in in this game and then they get excited oh maybe we can actually do that but it's not like we kind of have these kind of big means Go are like how do we connect all this stuff together that's not kind of like how we how we go about doing it where it's very much on the like each game needs to stand by itself and then we try and layer those things in as we're making the game mm. yeah cool
2: and just just briefly on the gameplay side of the equation so obviously this was a shift to survival horror this time around it's the first time that you guys made a survival horror game uh how would you think you did you, you said you, you feel like you nailed it like what do
8: you reckon i think, I think yeah we, i think well we'll let other people decide obviously i think that internally we're pretty happy i think you know it's um it's it's a challenging genre to do because it's it's like you know getting that feeling of uh, of 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 running out of resources and and kind of uh having enough opportunities to kind of like have an influence on how you tackle those different encounters like like making sure you have enough like resources and, and verbiage on the player side or kind of mechanics on the player side to make it interesting but like you know if, if you have way too many resources it doesn't feel like it's well enough you don't have enough resources then it's like it feels frustrating so i'm trying to come up with the balance there across three different difficulties so that you know various different play styles could basically get that feeling that was that was obviously quite challenging um and then i think that we will we basically traditionally ju- only done action games effectively so you know enemies on this are on the screen for a lot of, Less long, uh, not as long as, as you would normally have in a survival horror game. So when we're building AI, you know, if we're coming from Quantum Break to to Control, uh, you kind of throw an ability at them, they kind of vanish straight away. We just have a lot of on screen here because they kind of take longer to kill. We have to kind of build out more behaviors, kind of have more animations, like you know, when you run into um, uh, a safe haven, they need to react and actually have like behaviors that kind of show that they're reacting to you doing that. So mm. that was kind of like, we, we were kind of like, oh, we can kind of do a spiral horror and you know, just take some stuff from control. It'll be fine. And then we're like,
1: oh,
8: <laughs> yeah, this is actually <laughs> a lot more work than we thought it was going to be. So, yeah, I think it was challenging. I think, we but I, I do feel like we built a lot of cool tech specifically to kind of, you know, we really were, I think for us on the gameplay side, we really wanted to make it feel physical. And that meant that enemies should feel physical and also like the player character needed to feel like more physical than what we would had in in previous games. So, you know, building technology to allow the character to like actually have the weapons physically on them. We've never done that before. Actually in Quantum Break, we didn't even have animated weapons in Quantum Break. They weren't animated at all. We only added like the ability to animate weapons uh, when we were building Crossfire because we're like, oh, we've got a first person. The gun is like the hit show. Oh, wait, they don't animate. That's not going to work. So we had to kind of <laughs> build technology for that. And then in control, we started to kind of build, you know, you know, Jesse's service, uh, service weapon kind of like animates very, very interestingly. So we, we started building technology that allowed us to then for this game, you know, have physicality of the weapons on the back, have more physicality on the animation side using motion matching. So it was just like, like, I think we said this before on a technological level in terms of like how we use live action and how we kind of blend on the visual side, but even on gameplay side, We've never been out we wouldn't have been able to do this game that we built now if we like if we tried to do it in the past. Like, we just wouldn't have had the technology to do it. We wouldn't have had the knowledge on how to kind of like do more hub like layouts than we did from control. Like our technology would not support supported streaming in that amount of, of data. So I think, yeah, on all different aspects, like everything just kind of came together at the right time for us, like creatively, technology wise, on gameplay side. It,
9: yeah. It and 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 it did feel like once we Honed in on the idea that let's just do a survival horror game. Uh, it, it just clicked so strongly that that this is the right idea, and and it will give us everything that we need. First of all, for for more story focus and and more interactive storytelling, all in all. But but also the balancing of how to build the atmosphere, how how to kind of release the tension, and and everything just felt like how did we not see this before why, why mm-hmm. did we not think about this before uh, really really happy and have been through the whole project uh, yeah, it, about this it kind
8: of came about at a time when uh, you know horrors kind of picking up do not just in games like you know obviously Resident sure. Evil 2 make it just come out so and um, that was kind of very popular so it kind of gave us confidence that we could make something that was you know that people would people would kind of be into and that's this kind of kind of over the years, that's just kind of like increased even more. So you know, with the new Resident Evils and, and 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 all those games that are coming out in the in the horror genre right now. But then also just on the on even popular culture, like A24 is kind of like a big inspiration for us in like yeah. how mm-hmm. to tell a horror story. You know, it's it's you know we do have obviously we do have some jump scares and stuff in the game, but like like that, that's kind of only one aspect of a horror game. Just a couple. Yeah, atmosphere <laughs> obviously is just painful. a couple. <laughs> 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 Um, but then, uh, but like, yeah, like the journey that those characters go through and like uh, and, and how, how the story as a horror story as a whole, I think was kind of like something that we did definitely looked at from modern horror in film with like Hereditary and Midsummer and, and The Witch and The Lighthouse, you know, a lot of those kind of more modern art house horror movies definitely kind of, we, we kind of looked at those for <laughs> inspiration.
0: Well, let's move over to live action. Uh, what I mean you guys have done live action before, but what is the main driving force behind that?
9: I love live action.
1: Cool.
9: It it goes in some ways all the way back to Max Payne and, and, and kind of there wanting to create a believable world, like with the constraints that we had back then. And because it's a modern world, it it just always felt that that these different mediums uh, uh, being there are essential for creating that feel. Now let's take that and do way more. We could just build sets that are one to one to our digital locations, like the writer's room or the hotel or or the talk show studio, and 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 shoot live action there and 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 then a big discussion for us was like how do we put that into the critical path so that it's actually kind of stylized in a way that it seamlessly goes from gameplay into this kind of a scene and you know Alan Wake needs to be confused as the player is confused and and struggling with that and and just kind of like really really building something bigger and 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 and, and more ambitious with that like for the first time with Alan Wake 2 we've had a full live-action crew professionals on it but something that that we are driving here and 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 and, and working with and you know a lot of learnings for future uh, <laughs> uh, uh, once again but but i i've been so happy with with that whole side and and yes it fragmented but we basically had a full feature film production hiding inside the 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 game production because that's the amount of live action we all together have uh in this
0: well speaking of the future i mean you guys have done live action projection radio tv shows is there another medium you're passionate about that you guys would want to tackle like are we going to see like lords and ladies in 3d or something <laughs>
9: I think musical would be really cool. I no, mean, oh, wait. Okay. That's, <laughs> I <got that> <laughs>
2: nice. Well, actually, that's uh, that's a good segue. So, this next part then is a spoiler, right? So, anyone listening to this now who hasn't played Alan Wake yet, go and play Alan Wake right now. Okay? And come back later. Just skip forward in the podcast a little bit so you don't hear this next bit. Okay? So, give you, we'll give you a minute to click off and fast forward. Okay. All right. Spoiler warning is done. Now Alan Wake 2 contains arguably like, one <laughs> of the best sequences I have ever experienced in a video game. It is a straight up musical number. I don't know what what is it actually called by the way? What is the name of this sequence? Can't remember. Well
9: the uh, well, well the song is Herald of Darkness, the old guard okay, yes. sure. song and that's uh, what we sing. Yeah, that that the the, the, the scene, of course. Yeah, that chapter is we sing and 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 or has another name which i something like uh story of alan wake the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the story of journey yeah, of that. alan
1: yeah. wake the music right. yeah,
9: yeah,
2: <laughs> okay got it got it got it
9: so, first of all,
2: who came up with the idea for this? Well, who was that person? Well, was, who do you think came up with the idea
8: for that? Let's be honest.
2: Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some <laughs> genius at the back of the studio.
8: No, it's definitely Sam. And I remember him saying, like, I want to do a musical. And I was like, you're mental. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, no, no, we can do it. And then I was like, how, how, okay, let's just have a discussion about how that would, what would that would even look like? We did not talk to this anyone in Epic
9: or anyone anywhere going like, oh, we're thinking about adding a musical to the game. <laughs> I I I I I tried to get a musical into control. Yes. But but really? No. What but who's who told you no? Who told what was it 505 or whatever? It, it, was was it, it It was it was really, really hard to have the musical uh for a number of reasons in this. Yeah. And, and 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 there were many production meetings. Come on, we need to cut this. Let, let's really cut. interesting yeah, more, yeah, okay actually, so what what were, yeah. sorry, I, I sorry, was Sorry, sorry, Carl. Not, like absolutely not we are we are not cutting <laughs> this yeah yeah i, I, Wait, had, but, yeah, and I was
8: like sam made the musical and he was like no no and I'm like, okay let's <laughs> go okay, so what
2: were see. what were some of those production challenges then
9: well like i mean early on like and and as the iteration all, always happens is is that that uh that we i i wanted the musical and 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 because this is an Alan Wake game i i i knew it has to be old gods of asgard and and uh and and then kind of like there was a lot of iteration on the idea of figuring it out and and i was thinking about late night Talk show, uh, you know, as a setting, like you, you know, you, you, you watch late night talk show, and 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 certainly you could imagine that that you know whatever Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Fallon, like they 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 could set up like we we did this musical number in the mm-hmm. studio, sure. this kind of a sure. uh, so so it felt like a natural place for it, um, and 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 I did have the idea that this needs to be about Alan Wake. And it needs to go in parts through his whole life, like starting with childhood, his rise to fame, Alan Wake, one story. And then what is the setup for, for this? But, but like, like we were talking about early, early on, like, well, are we doing mocap or like, like, how do we do it? And as the, as the idea of the use of live action was in other ways refined and, and finding its place. Uh, it became clear that okay that that's how we do it that it's kind of a this this halfway state between worlds that he slips into Mm. and and Mm. we're we're kind of watching the musical happen in the talk show but he's not you as the player are not quite there and you are Mm. trying to get there and obviously transitions go through these screens always like interacting with the screen so all the parts are trying to get there and finally then as a reward Climax, the final chorus where everybody joins in is that. <laughs> the- originally,
8: it was originally it was actually much more physical. Like it was actually like a theater, like a stage production. Actually, we had a lot of like fits. We yeah, had a bit okay. of that in the in what's there now, where kind of screens are moving. But it was much more like a stage, like a stage theater production, and, and less with the kind of live action mo- stuff.
9: More, more being in that yeah. that studio yeah. all the yeah, time.
8: Right. But but over like yeah, just because of like I can't remember exactly why we changed it. I think it was more like production reality is actually like yeah. doing this like animation, and it was just too expensive. So we ended up doing it in live action. And I think one of the challenges with that whole sequence, coming off of Control, where obviously we did the Ashtray Maze, and Control is an action game, so we could kind of push the player for a lot of action sequences to kind of drive them through the experience. And this one, well, it's a survival horror game, and if you say to someone, oh, we want to put a musical in a survival horror game, the, like, the question comes like, well, how? How, do we, how? What's the gameplay loop there? And we then we kind of like, well, like, OK, I think rather than kind of having this be something the players necessarily interacting with a lot, we kind of like build it around the player as they kind of. So it's like you're walking through the experience. Yeah. And that's kind of like how we ended up kind of making that whole. Because if, if you think about if you actually play through it, you're not actually doing a lot until the last third of it. It's kind of all happening around you and you're kind mm. of like, a spectator
1: to this, well, this crazy thing, this fever mad.
8: Yeah, exactly. So,
9: uh, and that, that was the only way we could really make this kind of sequence work in this genre of game. Collaborating with Ports of the Fall as Old Gods of Asgard, which has, like, like it, it, first of all, like, all of this is, like, goes back to, we had the stage fight scene in Alan Wake 1, and that, like, turned out to be you know, a fan favorite in many ways, mm-hmm. and 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 going back to that idea, and then the ashtray maze in, in control, and everybody went, went crazy about it. And it just felt like, well, how do we come back to this idea, but in a different way? Well, we, we are doing several of them in a way in this game, but, but li- like uh, figuring that out and 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 the whole thing of well it's a talk show like purely on the song side then 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 i was talking with with poets guys and and saying that it should kind of be back and forth like so dory is there and he's the host and interviews alan wake so he poses a question and alan wake answers and i knew i knew that that like matt is a great singer and 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 so alan wake can sing in this and 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 then like like us finding uh David Herwood, who is wonderful as as as, as and and he has a background uh in 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 singing and and so so poets were like in those sessions directing them and getting the right kind of like type of a performance out of them to fit into the song that they were making and 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 yeah.
3: And, well, and and
9: we had a dance choreographer. Uh, i was going to
3: say cuz you you're pulling how some long? shapes sam
2: you really are man how long did it take you to get that shit down cuz that would not have been easy i
9: i i like like some inspirations like like peacemaker the the the, the show oh, yeah, the that's what i thought <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. What I went, and i was going like look at this like like something like <laughs> this on on the same level and and other inspiration that that i i wanted was the, the Calibration sequence of a mocap scene. You know, when mm-hmm. when when the actor steps in and T-pot <laughs> and, and, and and all of these steps, like, like, you know, let's look at this and is there anything there? And That's and cool. please <laughs> may, make it easy enough so that an amateur can learn it, because like I'm I'm no dancer and Ilka is no dancer. And De- wanted, De- De- the De- De- David is pretty good. And and so so yeah, when, when I started. Rehearsing this at home based on on Sophia's our, our choreographer's video, I was like, "Oh my god i am never gonna learn this and then I just well, well but but yeah, like over the weekend I was practicing one weekend and then we started uh with her actually practicing it and 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 yeah i I got it i' I'm, I'm so proud <laughs> Well, Impressive. it is
2: genuinely amazing and thank you for making it because yeah. it's a true highlight in a game full of highlights. So, yeah, absolutely crushed it.
3: Yeah. I guess final question. Um, you know, the response to Alloy 2 has been kind of incredible. Um, what are you what are you guys like feeling about it now that it's out there in the world and you're seeing, you know, the review scores and and fans react to it?
8: Tired. tired, yeah, and already tired. Tired, and like I'm just anxious. Like I'm just constantly like looking at what people say, and I'm like, okay, we need to fix that. Okay, we need to fix that. I'm just like, yeah, it's just feel, it's, I feel like, feel kind of like empty, but at the same time, like, okay,
9: I need something to do. So okay, so I'll just try and it, find it, all these it, things. It it it's w- wonderful and feeling grateful and 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 like mm-hmm. always like like we did early on have this kind of an. Like, like, let's just push it and 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 be ambitious. Be like, like, be bold about you know unique ideas and 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 it's a risk. It's always a risk. Like we loved it and and loved making it and 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 trusted that. But especially coming close to launch, you start to be nervous. And finally, like, oh, like, well, how how will this go down? Uh, and and it's been. So wonderful uh, to to see the response. I, I I do feel that that this kind of crazy content, like combination of different genres and 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 different kind of like layers in it, that's a modern thing. Like you know, I I, I did get this feeling watching the the you know everything everywhere all at once, the film, mm. which I deeply fell in love with. And and obviously, we were really, really deep into this and everything locked. But but when I watched it and saw how people loved it and how it was kind of like, you know, taken, I felt that, well, you know, we have crazy stuff, not the same stuff, but in a, I, I feel similarly mashed up really far into pop culture references, kind of Thing and i felt that well yeah like i i got some confidence out of that feeling that well we we are we are trusting our vision and and like the time is right for something like this
0: mm-hmm. well kyle sam thank you guys so much for talking with us uh we'd love to talk to you again soon with other stuff you got cooking up but for now we'll see you
8: awesome thank you thank you very much
2: uh, all right, guys, let me ask you, have you guys started your Christmas shopping yet? Your holiday shopping? Oh, no. <gasps> no. What? Oh, no, just... yeah. Did you know that, ho- that Christmas is coming and you'll need to buy gifts for other people? Oh, did you boy. know this? Oh,
4: man. Well, what am I yeah. going to
2: buy? All right, well, I have the perfect gift suggestion for you and for your loved ones slash friends. Have you heard about Recon? Raycon.
4: Yes, yes oh, yeah. I have.
2: Okay. All right. Good. Well, it's the holidays are coming up and Raycon make a perfect gift because they make an excellent product at a very reasonable price. And right now, they're doing like a whole Black Friday discount thing,
0: which means you can get a pair of Raycon even cheaper, making them the perfect gift idea. Yeah. They're an easy gift. I, I got a pair from my dad. Basically, anybody in your family, it strikes that category. But... Raycon has expanded uh, with Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. When you Ooh. hear PowerTech, you're like, what is that? Well, the biggest thing from PowerTech is their five star reviewed Magic 180 cable. It lets you charge iOS, micro USB, Type C, super fast with 100 watt power delivery, and it's super flexible. So it's got like kind of like a, a cool little directional thing to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's
3: clever. As someone like who has it, like a it. draw, it's just called The Draw. Yeah of different cables that I have to go into. (laughs) Having one thing with just like the different heads and everything, easy, love that.
0: Very clever. But of course, their biggest product are the wireless earbuds. Uh, They have been tried and true for a while now. 32 hour battery life, a handy dandy little carrying case that's smaller than your average earbuds, but the sound quality is great. It's got IPX uh, water resistance. So, you know, you can really kind of mess around with these guys. And noise isolation, and when you pop them in your ears, they don't fall out. So it really covers all the bases. Oh yeah! So to get mm-hmm. everyone in the holiday shopping
4: spirit a little bit early this year, Raycon is currently offering twenty percent off everything on their site, with select items up to even fifty percent off. So hurry now down to buyraycon.com/friends to get twenty to fifty percent off site wide. Again, that's buyraycon.com/friends to score up to fifty percent off some. Raycon products. Once again, buy raycon.com/friends.
3: Jake, what was it like talking to Sam like? I know you love him. Oh, it was cool.
1: <laughs> he was really nice. He
0: was really nice. I was I wasn't really that nervous, which is good. Um, I because I've been looking at his face for so many years. <laughs> if I was on the call, I wouldn't have made it. Uh, Max Payne.
4: Max Payne is one of my favorite games of all time. It was probably a good Same, thing that I yeah. couldn't make it. Otherwise, I would have just been like, "Hey, Alan Wake Two is fun and all, but can you talk about in Chapter Two of Max Payne where this happened?" Like, I would have just.
0: <laughs> it would have been bad. What is nice though, uh in the interview and just in general, like Sam Lake, Remedy, like they they don't shy away from the fact that like Max Payne was a formative mm. part of their careers and like influence them moving forward and they're they're proud of that they're not like oh yeah you know we made that weird little game like no it's a big part of their thing and i like that it's cool
3: Mm. good i just i just wanted you to have a good time because when we were putting it together i was just like i I gotta get gonna get sam for the boys
0: Also, Mm. I don't, I don't. Thank you for the opportunity, first of all. Uh, But also, Abby, I don't know if it made it in the edit, but Abby met Max Payne. Like Abby jumped, my cat. Abby jumped in front of the camera (laughs) as as we were talking.
3: I felt so bad because they were answering a question, and I like giggled because Abby (laughs) was looking like she was in the office down (laughs) the lens of the camera.
2: It was great. Yeah, she turns and looks right in the camera.
0: Oh cats, man. Oh boy. Well, uh before we jump into the games we're playing, I did want to hear a little bit more about Indyland. Um hmm. Gerard specifically, I I know you talked about it on the podcast a little bit last year, but like what's the elevator pitch for, for what exactly it is?
4: Sure. So Indyland started uh, about six years ago. Um my buddy Vernon had a show called Scare to Care, which was like a yearly um charity show he would do for camp casim and uh it was basically just bringing a bunch of content creators together to play scary games and um eventually he stopped making that show after several years and um, my producer michael was like hey we like that i used to make that show that show was really fun we should do our own version of that every year and kind of make it a cool celebration of of games and raise money for a you know charity and so he was like I wish we had a charity that we could donate to and I was like oh I I run my own charity called the Open Hand Foundation and all the money that we aggregate I mean I started it when I was young a young boy with my dad in honor of my mom who had dementia and so uh we just every year we try to raise as much money as possible and then we go work with you know Alzheimer's Association of America University of San Francisco um Association for FTD which is what my mom had FTD so we've like worked with big and small organizations across the board and he was like it'd be really cool if we did a show all about raising money for people who are making huge headways in in dementia research and prevention and all that stuff and i said yeah i'd love to we have the organization to do it we just you know need to come up with a theme and so um we kind of looked at the gaming space and said hey like what can i do that like can make an impact on on multiple fronts And so that's when he said, hey, well, what if we made it a strictly indie game show where we just feature indie games by small teams, you know, from publishers who are just trying to get eyeballs in front of their games. And so that's kind of where Indie Land came from. We we, in in the beginning, we themed it as like every block, if you will, would be a different type of indie game land. So it was like, you know, we had like the roguelike galley, which is just like all roguelikes for like a couple hours. And then it was like, uh, you know, uh, I forget, Michael came up with a bunch of dumb puns, but the puns were all like, to give you an idea that in this block, if you will, we're only playing indie horror games. We're only playing roguelikes and metroidvanias. We're only playing beat-em-ups or whatever it is. And so uh, after our first year, it just, we raised like, I want to say like 60 grand. And we said, that's a lot of money and let's keep going. And so we've been doing it every year since. And we've raised, I think, I think as of this year, We've raised over seven hundred and fifty grand over the last six years. So, um, and it's just been so fun to see it kind of come together because now publishers come to us and say, "Hey, we have ten games we'd love to feature." And uh, a lot of the developers like fly out in person and they form friendships and like work on games together and collaborate and do their own little game jams. And they like a few of them went to Japan together for Bit Summit. Like, it's just a really cool community thing that's kind of been happening. And so uh this year was supposed to be an in-person event, but at the last minute I said, you know what, let's like, let's not make it in-person because that was last year's thing. Let's like do it right and make it affordable for everyone and just do it digital. And so that's when FlyQuest stepped in and said, Hey, we'll sponsor the event. And so we had it at FlyQuest headquarters. FlyQuest is like an esports organization in, in Culver City. And they were so fun to work with. They were really great. They let us ruin their place. We <laughs> it's it's there was a lot of watermelon and pumpkin smashing a lot of it was it was nuts it was a uh
3: it was like a dexter kill room in there yeah
4: we, we we had a room called the room that was just anything insane that happened in that room it was it was a lot uh but i mean and and tam and lucy helped co-host the show so lucy probably has a way different experience than i had because i was just in non-stop no sleep mode trying to stream as many games as possible and interview as many devs as possible
3: it was awesome. Like it was so fun, and it was just such a fun mix of it. It's kind of it feels weird to say this, but it's like it's nice to be at a charity stream thing that's not focused around like alcohol too. In a weird way, <laughs> it was just like very chill vibes, and like obviously there were uh, things that you could like donation incentives, like Gerard almost died on hot sauce overdose and waxing <laughs> and stuff, and it. But it was it was just really fun. Like it was just really nice vibes. The devs all had a really fun time. Um, people wishlisting and donating and going to check out demos and stuff. And yeah, I had a lovely weekend.
4: I got slapped twelve times. That was fun. You did get by slapped. whom? Uh, Anna Brisbane. Oh, cool! You nice. Know, you know her from Bayonetta I three. Do. More recently, uh, sure. She uh, she voices one of the main characters in WayForward's new slap game. Uh, it's a it's like a flash game that got ported to consoles. I got to remember it or else I'm going to get, I think it's called slapped again. (laughs) I know I do not want to, it's called Rose and Rose and Camellia collection. Mm -hmm. And it's a bunch of uh, uh, flash games that were made a long time ago that got, are getting converted into console games. And the whole bit is all like, it's like a Korean soap opera or or Japanese soap opera based around slapping people. And so uh, in the, in that moment I was like, anyone who donates a hundred bucks I will let Anna slap me as hard as she can. <laughs> and so, like, within 30 minutes, like, $1,200 came in, and she just comboed the crap out of me. I got... There's a lot of gifts Sick. online of me being slapped. And let me tell nice. you, Anna does not hold back. She really, oh. really hit me. There was no... <laughs> there was no sugar coating. She just slapped the crap out of me. Uh, but it was for a good cause, yeah. so...
3: No, and I got to I got to wax people there was people <laughs> were smashing watermelons with baseball bats as well mm-hmm. there was
1: um it like, sounds
2: a pretty uh riotous awesome. event i don't know man like it, it really, really sounds like you guys needed a permit for this kind of event you know what i mean
1: like <laughs> yeah, good to man, play a bunch it, of
3: cool games too like and having uh, yeah, folks were dialing in and people were in the couch and yeah, it was really. Oh,
1: cool.
4: Lucy, Lucy, Elspeth, Tam, and I played Robo Dunk. Oh, holy God, man! It's <laughs> imagine NBA Jam, but you're in Mex. Cool. And every single mech has different skills and abilities. And it's like basically Mario Strikers Charge, but with big mechs and NBA Jam. And like, (laughs) if you charge your meter, you like go into space and do like a super slam dunk from outer space. And you, it's oh God, we easily the most addictive and explosive game we played all weekend. It was great.
3: That one was, yeah, because that one's out already. Yeah, it's out right now. Robo Robo dunk.
4: Robo dunk.
3: I haven't felt that way about a game since playing like Rocket League for the first time. In terms of just like being in the room and the energy with people, um, I think that my it was favorite. Also, it was
4: also like stop motiony too. It was yeah, really cool.
3: I didn't realize uh, we were talking about it on the GameSpot podcast this week too. And we watched the trailer, and I didn't realize that the mechs looked like kind of Lego guys too. Yeah, which was really cool. Uh, but there was so many different. There was such a variety in the experiences because there was. You know, that one, which is very high octane, working together as teammates. And then there was something like Farewell North, which is very emotional. It's kind of about um this this girl, you know, and her relationship with her mother, and she's gone to Scotland and she's with her dog, and her dog and, and basically the colour palette is really muted and very sad, and she's she's very emotional, and then the dog is, you know, solving puzzles and trying to cheer her up. And bringing color back into the world, oh, which is really beautiful. That's nice. And then there was nice. horror stuff like Desktop Explorer, which was basically a Windows ninety five desktop, but <laughs> someone's left you messages and you have to solve puzzles. Right. And you do. Oh, I've
2: really? seen this actually. It was yeah, yeah, super yeah.
3: Cool. I that um, is cool. Yeah, I loved playing that one because it was, it was they were I, the devs were there, and I was like trying to solve the puzzles. I was like, hmm, I don't, I don't know how to get this one. And, he, and they were like, "Well, if you tried, you know, like renaming a file because the file's corrupted, <laughs> or you can un uh, unhide file folders that have been hidden in the operating system, and yeah, that was really cool." Um, Man, yeah, that it takes got, me back. It was yeah. I, I I'd forgotten half the stuff. I was like looking for solitaire. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: to yeah, 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 totally. But no, yeah,
3: my wish list has grown exponentially. Mm after the weekend
2: too it's cool for that sort of stuff yeah, yeah when i go to packs or whatever and i'm just traw, like cruise the indie section and then you come out with a list of like oh I'll add all these 15 games to my list mm-hmm. thank you very much it's oh, a nice yeah. feeling yeah.
4: that was the really cool thing is that we have a we have an land steam curator page that features every single game cool. for all oh! five days of indyland and uh right we, they, we, we even did them in order so you could like see you know hour by hour block by block what we nice. featured um that's awesome and it was just so cool because uh, I guess we hit some kind of algorithmic thing on Steam. And so for like three or four days, the devs were like, holy crap, our wish lists are kind of skyrocketing through the roof. But then Steam, like they de- they devalued it after a couple of days and took it down. So mm. it was a weird thing. I guess we were supposed to tell Steam to do it during the show mm. um, as opposed to like we just uploaded it. And then suddenly it was like the Internet and just like. It was trending on Steam for quite some time, but uh, it was just really yeah. cool to kind of see those devs go. Man, I, I had like ten wish lists. Now I have at least, you know, several hundred to a thousand. Because um, you for guys sure. know how it is. Every every wish list counts. It really helps.
6: It does for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, congrats on another successful Indie Land. Thank you. Sounds awesome. Thank um, you, people. Go check it out. Uh, definitely check out that Steam stuff because a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Always good lot to of fun, them. you know. In case you you feel like you didn't have enough games, there are more. <laughs> believe it yeah, or not, there are always more There's always media more. games. So, speaking of games, uh, let's dive into what we've been playing. Uh, I'll rip the band-aid off and just get this out of the way because I was out sick last week when it was time to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah. My thing, my life. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ben Hansen for uh, replacing me. He did great big fan Uh, but yeah yeah, uh, just real and short because I feel like you guys have probably talked it up a lot Uh, Spider-Man 2 I I really like I don't like it as much as Spider-Man 2018 Uh, it doesn't quite emotionally hit as hard but where it does hit hard here is like hey kid Do you like the animated series? You like Jim Lee comic books? Do you want you just crazy like Venom shit everywhere? Like (laughs) that made me very happy having so much crazy stuff going on on screen, a really good visual uh, representation of Venom, a threatening Venom, Spider-Man squaring off against him. uh, But then also integrating Miles Morales into the story where Miles Morales is caught up in a story with Craven and, uh, you know, the symbiote like very interesting mm-hmm. I, I i really liked it for that i wish it was longer not even in terms of gameplay really? hours. Oh, really? yeah yeah in terms of gameplay hours that's what everybody's jammed up about i i personally i just felt like the story f- not necessarily flew by but i felt like some beats didn't have time to like totally breathe without mm. spoiling anything there's a couple of sections of the game where it's like well oh, that happened yeah. Anyway, and then it just keeps mm. going where like mm. I feel like in Spider-Man 2018 they were very good at like all right, well like let's stop and like like fucking cry for 5 minutes and like do a whole <laughs> thing where this was like no, let's go. Next next crazy set piece. No which is good, mm. but also, you know, um otherwise, yeah, it, it was just kind of like it, it, gameplay-wise, you know, it felt similar to the last game combat-wise um I felt the bosses I found the bosses more difficult this time around? Oh, yeah. I felt like Massively. I felt
3: like they went on too long. Like a phase some too long. Some of them, long. I agree.
0: Yeah, some of I them agree. I would I would yeah. Uh, regular enemy encounters though and and I like I wanted more enemy factions and regular enemy encounters annoying. were pretty easy. <laughs>
3: the symbiotes towards the end got really annoying, I thought. Like
2: Yeah, I was yeah, I agree with that big time. Big time. Yeah. But yeah, also cuz I was at that point at that at that point in the story, like, I'd kind of had enough of doing lots of fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, because it was really working towards this crescendo. And then you're like, wow, I have to fight this new symbiote faction thing. But I guess this is semi-spoilers right now, because we're a few weeks out from this game now. Yeah. So, we can talk, like, some light spoilers, not full no, spoilers. No big but, like spoilers. No exposure spoilers. But, yeah, like, later, later in the game, symbiote enemies rock up. And I feel like at that point... I was like, "No, I've had enough of all of that. I just yeah. want to <laughs> see the end of the story." Thank you very much. Uh, but yes, that's uh they If, if we I are talking like
0: light light spoilers, it was shown in some of the late marketing, the intro of the game, uh with Sandman. Oh yeah. What a hell of a way to That was, m- that was It looking. felt like the a very good superhero movie way to start a game. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Where it was like yeah. villain of the week. Oh, what's that? Let's go. And then yes. the actual gameplay set piece was like one of the biggest of the game. Like it was like yes. holy shit man. how are they gonna I love the aftermath of it too. Like as oh, you're yeah. doing the collectibles yeah. attached to
4: it, like the city is still full of sand. and then, like as you're done <laughs> as you're doing each of the collectibles and the side quests, suddenly the sand is going away, and the city is rebuilding itself, and then you
0: forget about it and then on to the next thing is just really cool, mm. so yeah. Brian Intihar in I don't know if it was an in R interview or maybe it was another one I I read I watched a couple of them uh, talking about stuff like that like the sand and like having things that happen in the world and then they like stick around mm-hmm. his example was like you know the big helicopter scene in 2018 mm-hmm. happened and then like once you start playing again you turn around and there's oh. not like a you know helicopter mm-hmm. crash through yeah. the city so I am very curious to see if they can continue that into the third game I, I would like to see even more of that like cause and effect of the city because it's like how else are you going to make new york city and everything interesting for either you know a dlc or a little expansion side game and then a third game yeah i mean it's also what i
3: dislike about what marvel is but movies have become like how many times can you have a world altering event and then i guess i guess they picked up on this on like spider-man homecoming where it was like, you know, you get you finally get to see what happens to the people who have to pick up the pieces. But it's something that Marvel definitely ignored for a very long time. It would just be, oh! There's a
0: fucking yeah. space god in the middle of the ocean turned to stone. That's like the size of, like, Africa. Yes. And yes. everybody's like, yeah, that's a thing. Like, what, they turn into a national park or something? Like, <laughs> I want to know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, just in short, um, I do like that uh Brian and Dehar did confirm that uh this is going to be in the same universe. like their their Wolverine is going to be in the same universe as a Spider-Man. Because I think a lot of people have been asking for that. Yep. You know, like mm. when Avengers Tower was like teased and stuff like that.
3: And then you I go think... there and he doesn't even say anything.
0: No, in mm. this one, he's like, there's a building. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm so, walking. Did you here. see they, they <laughs> patched in
3: today uh the Daredevil law firm sign? Yeah. I, I don't know if they accidentally yes. left it out or if it's some kind of oh, thing that they yeah. up for, but yeah, it got patched in.
0: Yeah, a there, lot of fans there's... have found some weird stuff behind some walls yes. around there. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Um, mm-hmm. If it's the hand, that'd be really cool. Also, if it was the hand, what if they went into the weird new modern uh, Punisher, where he's like the leader of the hand? That's like a weird tangent, but... <laughs> Uh yeah, yeah, a lot of cool shit. Uh there's potential for them to essentially pick up where the MCU is kind of waning in some ways for many people. Uh I think the Marvel Game studios have a way to do that in the video game realm where I don't think people will immediately be as like, oh God, universe building really. Totally. I think there's room in games still, like where people are gonna want that. Like clearly, if you look at fans and stuff, like people do, you know, some of the things they referenced in this game people are like holy shit let's keep it going so
2: yeah 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 like imagine how excited it would be if they just announced a full-on x-men game some studio is just gonna make a proper ass x-men game triple a like guardians of the galaxy level quality but x-men hey please we we
3: already have that game it's called x-men destiny (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. I, don't even I do you... love
2: me some i do love me some destiny so yeah. you i don't even
3: her. think you could, i think that was one that silicon knights had to like you can't even buy it anymore
0: was that the silicon oh, knights right. one i think
3: I it was think so there i had are... a copy of it somewhere and then when they recalled it i was like oh i can retire mm-hmm. on this <laughs> bad game
0: there are uh if you go it was made by no... silicon knights it was yeah. if you if you go north of uh like what is their forest hills or you go north of queens like the north end in the game there are two maybe even three like abandoned mansions in the woods with really long driveways
1: there we go. one
0: is used for a set piece one is used for um a side quest but I found them early, and I was like, oh, (laughs) is this, like, you know, geographically, it should Uh, be, like, you know, 20 miles further north, but whatever, Um, (laughs) but, yeah, like, so, like, that having that excitement, like, I don't have that excitement about, like, the MCU movies now as much, where, like, you see something, you're like, is that is that gonna be, is that Iron Man's shoe? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, you don't have that anymore, so to have that a little bit in a game is cool, so I I hope they continue with that.
4: Well, we Mm -hmm. do know, at the very least, that That Wolverine and Spider-Man exist in the same cinematic universe. It would be So, be so so
3: cool for DLC you just you know you hear him call someone bub and then you know the <laughs> like you know that's all i need well
2: there, there's rumors that the dlc is going to be daredevil focused actually as a oh, result of the stuff that's been discovered so it's kind of like yeah i can i can see it did That'd you be see cool. that
3: thing today so that daredevil game that they were working on 20 years ago or something that yeah. never got released a dev just released the whole thing <laughs> or at least what he, what they had so what yeah, really yeah. yeah uh today i think or yesterday oh, they just boy. released
7: oh thank you for the daredevil that.
2: You know what the next yeah. jake baldino video is about yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> there we
0: go content mode engaged <laughs> oh That's yeah right.
7: 2004
0: daredevil game unearthed yeah yeah okay. there was there was uh, is this because we've seen footage of this in the past um yeah man oh boy anyway uh and that's enough of the superhero nonsense and enough of this uh i do want to hear about mario wonder um ralph did you guys talk about this last week
2: we did we yeah did. we did we did
0: oh no was it wasn't last week was it the week before was it last week the last, La- last
2: time we last did it yes it was, yes. Episode. It was, yeah. it was last, episode, last episode. night right. yeah. yes
4: the last fortnight yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah so i was playing it and i'm still playing it actually i'm just kind of like just trying to play more of it for fun when I have time because I just keep coming back to it because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I had thought that I wouldn't necessarily make a video, but I think I might actually do a quick video on it just because I love it that much. It really is that amazing and wonderful. And I was talking to someone else about it the other day and he, we were kind of on the same page because we both had to, like, we both knew we were going to review it and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to review a 2D Mario game. We weren't particularly excited about it, Right. Because it's like they just we were three D Mario people. But both of us have continued to play it <laughs> post the review period being concluded, because it's just that fantastic. Um so It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah actually, and because I know good. that Gerard, you had just done your coverage on it your video so like you hadn't played it before well you had you were just playing through it while we were talking but now you've done the full completion of it oh yeah
4: yeah it's a very easy completion it's a very easy breezy completion um the thing that ralph and i didn't talk about because it wasn't active at the time because no one had the game was the online component and how fun Ooh, that ends is. up becoming it, be kind yes. of becomes this strands, souls like kind of mechanic where as you're playing online, you see everyone playing the level that you're playing with you, and you can help each other.
3: Oh, so it's not you distracting? Can,
4: I don't mm, think so at all. No, I, didn't I, I never once was like, oh, there's too many of them because right. you only have four at a time. But depending on how long you take, people can beat stages and new ones can show up, and uh. You can give items to each other. If you store an item, you can give it to a, a ghost and they can grab it and then they get to go with it. Um, I did not even
2: know that, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah.
4: If you see someone who's like who just died and you like yeah. saved them and they're like baby Luigi, or whatever, you can give them your stored power up and it'll appear in their world and they'll grab it and then they'll you'll they'll wave at you, or whatever, and then they run off. Did not um, even know
2: that. That is so good. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no one's ever given me their power up. What the fuck, man? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's.
4: To kind of go along with that, there are some stages that are like, almost like puzzles, where it's like, you have to find all the five coins in this one particular little puzzle room area, and those stages are always the most fun to see the ghosts in, because Mm -hmm. you just see a bunch of people freak out and not know what to do, and you're all panicking trying to find the puzzles, and then when one of you finds the puzzle, it's about trying to convince everyone else, hey, I found the puzzle over here, look, and then no one's paying attention, they're just like... Try and explore every nook and cranny of it um and as you get towards like the harder end game stuff the harder more complicated levels it's really fun it's really a testament of of testing your knowledge and skill of the stages that you played and uh there's two two special the special world is like you can go access at the end of every world uh but they're kind of like skill checks of like how well have you learned and and exceeded at this thing and the last two special worlds are like all the badges levels and then all of the all of the wonders in one big level so it's just a visual festive festivity of spectacle like you just have to keep going through it and it's really 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 cool and if Mm. if you're not a big mario person that's okay it doesn't have to Mm. be that hard if you're a huge mario person it's going to be a breeze for you
3: Mm. i'm getting my nieces a switch for Christmas with this. Nice. Yeah.
2: That's a great gift.
4: I am absolutely I'm, it's
3: very I'm good. Not yeah. in the country, but I am the cool ant.
2: There you go. Uh, yeah, definitely. There you go. Definitely. Yeah, look, I think it's a genuine. I'd be so stunned if it's not on a, the game of the year list. No, not just from the scores. Like you look at the scores, you're like, well, it's got a really high score, so therefore it's gonna be a game of the year nominee. But I just think creatively, just, just in terms of its energy and and how fun it is how vibrant it is like you just everyone who comes into contact with it walks away really loving it and the quality of it is absurd it's just yeah i really do believe i don't think it's going to win game of the year because obviously borderlands screen has that locked up it seems but uh i just think it's it's definitely going to have plenty of nods and i think it deserves every one of them because it's just a really fantastic video game and uh if you are like me and you are just pretty ambivalent towards 2D mario games honestly have a crack like just if you can get a cheap copy of it or something it's kind of hard with Nintendo games I guess but if you can get your hands on it by some means uh I think there's almost no chance that you are going to walk away disappointed or feel ripped off I think you're gonna like there's every chance you're just gonna be so pleasantly surprised by it for sure
4: and playing with friends is fun it's Mm. not not gross and invasive like if you play online
2: the online lobbies work great it's, like, surprisingly It's annoying, good. though, to, like, do it, because you have to add the friend code no. shit, and you can't voice chat, you can't message each other, all that rubbish. This is kind of like, if they fix yeah. all of that up, it would feel so much better. But you're right, it still is fun to play when you, like, wade through all that bullshit. Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm. yeah, uh, so I, yeah. Al- I also got to take a little behind-the-sneak peek at Super Mario RPG. Do you yeah. have any Super Mario RPG fans in the chat? Anyone here?
3: No? So, every time I, it I when hear... It released. Yeah, every time I hear Super Mario RPG, I do the the Wii Shop update. Like Super Mario RPG,
1: <laughs> Sonic the <laughs> Hedgehog. <laughs> what is this? Jake. Hang on, I don't know what this is.
4: Lola, one one and two. And two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Legend of Lolo One and Two.
4: Yeah, what Harvest is this? Harvest Moon. Yeah, oh. it's fine, not a video. Well, no, it's, it's YouTube a YouTube video. video. Oh, it's Nirvana, the band. Remember that movie I told you about that 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 young that um. Pro d was in uh blackberry blackberry it's it's written and directed by the same guy who's in nirvana the band it's it's his uh that's, dennis yeah.
3: from it's always sunny isn't it yes
4: yes uh, yes yes okay. basically
3: years ago they did this skit and it is it's years just about ago the,
4: 2006 2007 <laughs> by the way yeah it not years. just not just years ago lucy <laughs> a decade or two uh. ago
3: so it's about um their love of the Wii Shop and how it updates every Wednesday. and then they go like, what if it, what if I write a song using the games as lyrics?" and then they sure. they sing the song, and the first line is "Super Mario RPG." And then it's genuinely it when it hit the GameSpot office, it was like you could see who opened the link because everyone was just watching it. And then sometimes I'd walk past people and they would just be watching it. And like, <laughs> at me. Um, and I I think we were at, I think it was a was Game Awards last year, I think, Jake, where me, you and Tam were staying in the same hotel and we were walking back from the bar and we walked past, I, I can't remember what the name of this, the shop it was. Bossa over. Nova. Bossa Nova. There's a line <laughs> yeah. in there. He goes, what is that? A Bossa Nova beat? And Tam and I both said it, we laughed. She out. She
4: crooned it out.
1: Yeah. It out. <laughs> And Jake and was, was like, like I have no
3: idea what you're talking about. So we stopped. It was like 1 a.m. in downtown Los Angeles. And we're like, watch this right now.
1: Um,
3: and we'll send you that link, Ralph, after we finish recording here. It's, mm-hmm. time you- it's,
0: it's, time it's to a good launch. old YouTube video where like, you know, every like when you can't come up with a joke at the end. So you just start screaming. Yeah. And then it's a hard cut. <laughs> so
3: right? Perfect. Down. Perfect.
0: I miss those days.
3: Too. <laughs> hey, Super Mario RPG.
0: Yeah, Super Mario yeah, RPG. Well, RPG. What's the deal? I, I played it when like, when I was like 10 and I was like, this looks cool, but why is it boring? So I'm excited <laughs> to like play it again as an adult.
4: Jake, no. Gerard's I was face. a little kid hey. and I like I hadn't really I know, had my but RPG, Now you're an adult. Like, You've had thing. so many years to play it. I know. Look, Super Mario RPG is one of the greatest RPGs of all time. It's very, very good. It was... You haven't played it loosely. You can't judge me. I'm just You looking. haven't played it loosely, You can't judge me. <laughs> I'm just looking You can't judge
2: me. That compressor is working hard. At you. What was that? <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I lost my
4: temper. It's fine. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the point is, is that it's a great title. It's one that many fans never thought would ever be remade. This is this is one of those things where Square Enix teaming up... Classic Square Enix. SquareSoft teaming up with Nintendo... To make this smorgasbord of a crazy cool art uh JRPG or RPG. And it's um clever, it's funny, it's got weird characters. It's the only game in the in the Mario universe that has characters like a Mallow or Gino, which became fan favorites. Um, one of the reasons why you hear Gino for Smash so often when the Smash Bros. community was begging for Gino to join Smash is because of this game. Um and it's it's a pretty it's it's an interesting standard fare of Mario because you're not trying to hunt down Bowser in fact, Bowser joins your team. you oh. team up with Bowser and Peach and these characters uh, Mallow and Gino, and basically, there is a when the game starts, it acts as if you're like, oh, I have to save." Uh, Princess Peach got kidnapped by Mario, or by P- Bowser. I gotta go save him, and save her. And so you run, you jump, and then, hooray, you beat Bowser in the opening tutorial of how to play the game. But then a big-ass sword comes crashing down into Bowser's keep and destroys something called the Star Road. And it, and it, was it splits. it's Strife. No, uh,
1: not at all. <laughs>
4: not at all. <laughs> good try, Lucy. And yeah, it splits try. into seven stars, and the whole bit is that people can no longer wish for a star for the dreams to come true because the star road is broken and so mario and team have to basically go around the mushroom kingdom to repair star road so that people can dream and wish again and so uh it's very funny very clever battle the combat system is phenomenal um great music great 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 music and so uh for years everyone's been begging for a sequel for some kind of second love of this game and we never got that in that era because from there, the people who made those games split into two teams. You had the Paper Mario team and the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga team. And so that's where the future of Mario RPGs ended up going. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see why this is a big deal for a lot of Mario enthusiasts out there because this RPG does not get love. It's, it's a very rare thing. And I think a lot of people are speculating if this game this remake hits they already have the engine they've already got all the teams in the creative will there officially be a super mario rpg 2 and that's i think that's where everyone is like please god let it be good please god please 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 please. because if they do this it'll be you're, it's like creating a a
0: sequel to a to a game that does that would never have gotten one in a million years that would be Um, so cool they could add like more rpg mechanics to it like you can romance Bowser or something like Bowser's <laughs> at the camp at night, and he's like, Ma- "So Mario," and you can like be like, "Oh, I
3: know we've always had on." Hello, Bowser.
1: <laughs> I
4: cannot talk about Mario RPG if you have not played it, Jake, <laughs> because I can or cannot confirm that you may or may not romance Bowser in the game.
2: Oh, oh my God! What? Excuse Why me. Why did no one tell me this what a, before?
4: What I cannot confirm. <laughs> Because <laughs> Money all played it, but there are moments that evoke that same thing, Jake. It's not a guarantee <laughs> one-to-one,
2: but it's very similar. I'm just imagining, like, the Lazell scenes in Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3 with, with Bowser I and like, Bowser comes up to you and he's like I'm obsessed with your taste <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's not quite like that
4: not quite like that um either oh way uh God. the remake looks amazing um art style wise it's very different than what we have all know of it They have really cool options like changing from the classical and the modern music because they they read to the soundtrack in a modern tone and you can kind of (laughs) combine them. Um, They made the game significantly easier for people who aren't the biggest fans of RPGs. So um, now Timed Hits... In Mario RPG, RPGs, like when a character oh, would what? <laughs> what? Timed tits?
1: What did I say?
2: Timed tits? Timed tits. Timed tits. Timed tits. Timed tits. Timed tits. Timed
4: tits. Timed tits.
2: Did I say timed tits? I don't think I did.
1: That's my real brain. Like tits. <laughs> timed timed hits. Said
2: time tits. Timed tits. Timed tits. Timed hits. All three of us are like wait, what?
1: (laughs) Timed hits. (laughs) Timed hits. Okay. Okay, got it. Sorry. Timed
4: hits. I don't want to talk about this
2: anymore. Y'all should play Mario <laughs> no, RPG. No, 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 Go, 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 go. go tell us They made it easier. Timed hit. They
4: made it easier because there's an exclamation point now that appears. So um. if you hit it when it shows up, you know when to hit the timed hit.
2: You know, you got to hit those timed tits. <laughs> those you time got to hit them at well, the right time. First.
4: Hold on. The the, the, the the usual thing is getting a timed <laughs> hit
0: is timed tits, baby. That's, that's a good thing. It's a good <laughs> thing. Right. <laughs> Wait, how is the music? How is the how is the yeah. updated music? Because I I do listen to the original. It's music. fairly
4: it's very good. It, okay. it it feels very. It just feels like, hey, what if you went to go see the Super Mario RPG orchestra perform? Oh, That's I the vibe it. that it oh, evokes. Oh, wow. It's that. very nice. very good, and you can change it at any given moment. Um, they also have a new chain system where whenever you do a timed hit, it builds a <laughs> combo. And oh. as you do more timed hits, the combo goes up. But so do your stats. So the more of a chain you build, the more powerful your your party becomes in the moment. So like and then also, and it pass also
3: in Persona Five, I guess.
4: Not quite. Okay. It's it's more like the overall chain combo hit overall. There's no like. Oh, right, right, right. It's like as long as you keep hitting those timed hits and don't miss one you the your your combo goes up that also includes when you get hit because timed hits are also on the receiving end so when someone Um. hits you you can block an attack or reduce its damage and so the more you build your your combo meter the more opportunities you have to to kind of build your stats temporarily and then one of the biggest new things they had to this game was there is a super move now like a team super move so as you perform more and more of these timed hits you have in the corner a meter that slowly builds percentage and when it gets to 100 percent you do a crazy cool team move and so uh you only they only showed the one in the demo of Mario, Gino, and Mallow, because it was a particular part in the game. But they did say that having Peach and, and Bowser in your party in those different combinations will change those moves, which is pretty cool. And then the <sighs> other big thing they added was there's a bestiary. So now you can. What did I say now? What did I do so, now? You're, it wasn't you, it was sorry, Jake. My, my, my cat's <laughs> <the cat's. laughs> oh, no. Jake,
3: Jake just like, first of all, <laughs> earlier when <laughs> she was going, going at the furniture, but Jake just like lovingly put his hand out. She's stroking Abby, and she just went. Ah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Look, the point is, it's going to be sick, and you all should play. it Go play so the this original. Is, this, this sounds is my like Christmas a Christmas game.
3: This sounds like this, chill. This sounds pretty
2: great. Like this sound this is obviously a remake, not a remaster. Then, right? Oh, I would say it's a
4: remake. It's okay. a very. Okay. I mean, I don't, it's not like it's pretty faithful to what the original was, um, right. and apparently they added a very robust post game where you can Ooh. you can you can fight more and more bosses but they also announced today and all the press coverage that just came out too that you can now change characters mid-battle which oh, was not really? a thing before no. so okay. before Sounds you'd be okay. like you have your three characters and that's the fight now in the middle of the battle you can change out your characters uh, on the fly which is really really mm. cool
3: so you said yeah, earlier yeah, they yeah. They've kind of made it a little easier is yes. there still that challenge there if you want it is there the difficulty modifiers
4: They made the game easier within the exclamation point situation, but they also made it easier as in there is now a difficulty toggle Uh that makes the game literally easier. Uh, There's easy mode and normal mode, and that's it. There's no hard mode, um, which I guess they kind of consider it the classic setting, if you will, from the original game, Um, but... Yeah, I look, if you are a Mario RPG fan, you're probably going to love this bad boy. I've been waiting for it my whole life. I cried when I found out that it was being remade. I didn't think it was going to happen, and here it is, and I cannot recommend it enough. Y'all, I don't think you guys should necessarily play the original because this new one's going to be pretty close to what the original was, Um, but I definitely recommend that once you've played this version to go back and, Mm -hmm. and check it out because, Ralph, I don't even think you guys got it in Australia. Um, what really? I Dude, don't I know that. Yeah, well,
3: those the, hard uh,
4: drugs. <laughs> <that we laughs> Lucy, right. You what didn't. You didn't game. either. It was. It was. A, it was a Japan ah! and America game only. Wow, oh, that's so I fascinating. That. So this okay. is the this is the first time it's being localized for. The UK and, and <laughs> Australia and whatnot. The com-
2: they have something against the Commonwealth.
3: I was going to say, what is Mario going to say? Oi, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: that is, right. They're just going to take the American
3: localization, put U's in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: He has some, like, some. he's a working class man. He has some pro Irish sentiment that they didn't want doing the rounds in the UK oh, back I- in the 90s. They were like, no, nah, that's too yeah. sensitive. We no, can't, can't, do can't do that, that. here.
4: It did It did release eventually on Virtual Console right. in Europe and Australia, and okay. once yeah. again on Wii U, but before when it originally came out on Super Nintendo, you could not get it in those regions. Unless you did all that
3: stuff. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's yeah. cool. You see, you got me excited about oh. right now, and I'm not typically a Nintendo person, so I, I Lucy, think that's when, my, my Christmas Lucy, when
4: you when, Look, Lucy, when, I want you to remember this. Okay. When you level up a character, I need you to pull out your phone, and take a video and tell me it doesn't make you smile.
1: Okay. Deal. Tell
4: me it doesn't make you smile. Okay. Aww. Okay.
3: Okay. I'm excited now. Okay. Good. I have a long flight like next week. To. Maybe I'll. Download. Is it out by the time I no, go? No, it's not. It's like the
1: end of the month. Oh, it's fuck. like the, the 17th or something.
4: It's the 17th.
1: Yeah. Flight
3: back yeah. then. Ah, <laughs> that sounds yep. really fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. You yeah, guys will
4: love it. I promise you'll love this game. If you don't love yeah. it, no, I'm in. You can slap me in person the next
0: time you and see that, it. Slap fight.
3: And that's the Gerard nice. guarantee.
0: I think you're starting is. to like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of RPGs, uh, in terms of the games we wrote down that we're playing, Lucy, you put Final Fantasy 12? yeah
4: lucy that came out a long time ago we got to talk about that this not okay.
2: yeah. it says the man is out here yeah, t- talking, talking about super like mario rpg yeah. <laughs> it's being
3: remade it's topical and it's to hits ralph okay
2: That's fair. okay you're There's, right you got I, me on that one i
3: think 12 just had an anniversary as well i saw some people tweeting about it no i was writing it for uh i don't know if i can announce that i'm a part of this thing yet but i did uh, i wrote a thing about it anyway it was fun, and I had to, and I wanted to replay it and revisit it. And man, it's wild how Well Twelve holds up. It's yeah,
2: really good. I keep hearing that. Yeah, I keep hearing that.
3: Especially, I've, I've been playing the Zodiac Age version that came out what five years ago, maybe more. Yeah.
2: What's the difference with Zodiac Age, by the way? So you just that have version.
3: like one job board, and now you've got twelve different ones okay. in this one. Okay. Okay. Um. And they, like, a bunch of other changes, like, they re-recorded the score, they changed, um, some of the spells, I think, uh, like, some of the abilities are Im- impacted in slightly different ways, but it's also, like, the HD remaster, um, and it has, yeah, it's just, it's kind of incredible how well it holds up. In my head, I think it was a lot less streamlined, uh, and then I was replaying it, and I was like, actually, damn, this gets to the meat of it very, very quickly. You've got pretty much your whole party within the first few hours. And then because of the gambit system and the way that controlled fun, uh, you hmm. I don't know if you've ever played it or not. If you haven't, very quickly, it's you um you basically program your teammates based on uh target action. Um, oh yeah, sure. I remember that. Yeah. And so it, you could you you know, for example, ally health under 30% heal. Yeah. Um and then it just becomes this great thing where you basically set up all of your plans. You go into some combat. You just see, the, see it all come together really well. You can also play it on obviously like double speed. And so it's just so satisfying just to mm. watch it all come together. The story is great. Uh, obviously, a lot of people make comparisons to Star Wars and there's definitely a lot of things in there that are very, very reminiscent of Star Wars. But I think it is definitely its own beast. It's the Final Fantasy that it was my first ever Final Fantasy. Actually, Kingdom Hearts doesn't count. Uh, <laughs>
2: it definitely does not. <laughs> it does not
3: count. <laughs> it does not count. No. It does not count. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was my first, you know, a light introduction, and then Twelve was my first Final Fantasy, and I've just, I've just been really enjoying playing it. Uh, I have the the Roger ally. Um, the Rogue Ally, uh, thank you to... Oh, uh,
2: I was going to say, I was confused. Like, is he a character in the no, game? the okay, right, <laughs> Rogue sure. Ally
3: handheld. Uh, thank you to Microsoft. They provided that one for a review. Um, or just, you know, coverage, I guess. And so I have to disclose, obviously, when I got it. Um, and it, honestly, it's it runs really well on it. And I've just yep, been... And I took it, took it to Indyland with me. So playing it on the flight in between segments. I was just having a great little time. And, um, yeah, it's just been really nice, I think, in a year where every <laughs> game seems to be a ten out of ten, it's just and like there's been so much pressure obviously in our line of work to play everything, and like mm. as we're kind of coming to the tail end of that, spending some time revisiting a classic and revisiting a game that I know that I loved, even though I didn't remember it that well, has been a very a very nice um a nice way to kind of cap off a review. Like big, yeah. big launch window. And I've got a big flight yeah. next week. So that's, you know, 11 hours there. So. Yeah. It's a good yeah, adventure. Lovely. Yeah. Great music as well. I've been listening to that oh, soundtrack yeah. again, Damn. Yeah. Although it's I will pretty say. pretty good. N- I don't mean this to be shady. Boot it up with British, uh, with English voice acting. Change that within like five minutes. I couldn't, really yeah it was
2: bad was it it's it was just, bad there were those days where we we couldn't figure out how to dub jrpgs yeah. with english voice acting and it was <laughs> it was a rough time it I, was a very rough time i think
3: it's also like when you're listening to it, it's one of those ones where you feel like they weren't in the same room or at least like the, vo- oh, yeah, the yeah, voice yeah, yeah, sure. direction's not good because stuff just doesn't run into things neatly um oh, definitely. and then the, i just i just think the japanese voice acting is 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 better um so yeah it's great so yep. yeah
0: you heard oh. it here first. Uh, play Final Fantasy XII.
3: It's the hip new game everyone's talking yeah. about.
0: <laughs> it is yep.
3: important
4: to know though that Final Fantasy XII, Final Fantasy Nine, Final Fantasy Tactics, and I think eleven and fourteen are all in the same universe. They're all. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah. There are yeah. those
3: weird creatures like Miguelo's one. Are they the Bogan? B A G A A N, I think it is, where they're, they're really weird, like half human, half creature things. And they are not in any other mainline thing other than tactics and 14 and 12. Like, then you wouldn't see them in like a 15, for example. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Good shit. Good shit.
0: Cool. All right. Well, with that, with game talk, let's jump over to our fabled segment gerard kick it off
4: this week in the way back the week of november the fourth uh let's start with you lucy i know this one you didn't got, i i know exactly what you're gonna say
3: four years ago at least in japan i can't yeah, the Western release was you know what the Western release was March 2020, <laughs> so it was this is one of that the last things we filmed in the office before we went away for uh, for lockdown. But uh, this week, at least in Japan, 2019 was Persona Five Royal. So wow. that was, I was
2: wait how long ago was that? Four years ago it was Royal
3: was twenty yeah.
2: So that means that that would have been like that would have been that means that the original five would have been like what two years before that three maybe it was 20, 20,
3: 2017. 2016 in Japan twenty seventeen over here oh my wow, god
2: that's so crazy
3: so oh my god I I reviewed uh Persona Five Vanilla oh my god yeah okay the was that
2: a perfect ten or what
3: no it was a Ooh, nine
2: wow it was a nine
3: honestly in terms of reviewing and you know. This is a very inside baseball observation. Uh, I had that code like at least a month before embargo. Yes. And I just rinsed it at work. I did a bunch of the coverage. There was a few of us playing, and so all of like the tips stuff, we had plenty of time to do. Wrote the review, voiced the review, edited the review. Like we had so much time on it. And I was like, oh, this is such a lovely experience. And Tam just goes, do not get used to that. It will never happen again. It's only because this game came out five months ago in Japan <laughs> that we yes. have to code this early. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Persona 5, one of my favorite games of all time. And I marked it as a nine because towards the end, the boss rush is, I, I don't think it's very well handled at all. There's obviously some stuff to do with uh, the gay characters and there's weird stuff with on and it doesn't necessarily land, um, I didn't think at the time anyway, particularly uh, well. They actually did update and change some of like that. Uh, in Royal, where they fleshed out a bunch of stuff. They added uh, a whole new semester, a uh, new character, mm. with um, also fleshing out another character like Goro Akechi, who, his role in Persona 5, I think is great, but the way that they took him and changed him and added to his character and his role in Royal it was fantastic. They also added you know, new gameplay mechanics, new music. They took... Everything that was so fantastic about Five, they streamlined a lot of it. Like the first ten hours of Persona Five, very, very handholdy, very handholdy. Yeah, and it's also yeah. there was in terms of the the way that the game dealt with SP, which is what you use to use your persona abilities. Um, the the game would do it in such a way that it wasn't easy to recoup that if you didn't have the correct. Um, items load out yeah and so it meant that it was kind of like stifling your progress a little bit because you were very dependent on if you had enough of those ability points and then in royal they changed that in the game's economy so you would just blitz through uh, palaces and then you had way more time to do the social stuff because if you played Persona 5 Vanilla, there would be social links that you probably miss because you just didn't have enough time. Persona 5 Royal gave you all that time, gave you the chance to maximize all your social links, all of the things like your intelligence and like the Big Bang Bang and stuff. And, you know, spend more time in that world because they you know how much people love those characters. I think in terms of taking a game and improving it and it truly being the best version of that game, that's what it got with Royal. And that's why Michael Hyam gave it a 10, which is deserved. Mm.
2: Very cool. Very Hell nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hell
4: yeah let's go to you ralph what do you got yes
2: 20 years ago this week lord of the rings return of the king released mm. one of the most perfect video games ever i don't understand how they got it so right that long ago and then nothing has really come close since then in the lord of the rings pantheon except for shadow of mordor i guess right i mean there Warf, other sort of guess sorry
4: Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor. Shadow
2: of Order, that that series. Even then, I personally didn't like that anywhere near as much as I loved these games. I yeah. think these were so perfect in terms of adaptations, mm-hmm. seeing those films brought to life in that way. But also being very competently made third-person action games that looked fantastic and, like, cutting-edge tech at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the era when licensed games could exist and they could be good, mm-hmm. you know. And surpri- they could surprise you and be and be great. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, yeah, I think even then people say, oh, Shadow of War, I'm like, yeah, it was good, don't get me wrong, but I just think it was nothing on this. This These were incredible, and
0: I think there's still, to this day, the absolute peak of the Lord of the Rings video game experience. Agreed. Do you remember the cutscenes? It would show live action, and then it would transition to video game graphics, and you go, whoa, Incredible. You could
3: unlock the, couldn't you unlock the, um, uh, like some of the appendices, bonus content stuff from the DVDs would be in the game. Um, really? i didn't even know that i think, that, right? I think okay. so i remember i have a weird flashbulb memory of playing the game and seeing you know like elijah wood <laughs> doing sure, like a behind the sure. scenes thing but this was the team Look. that went to make dead space or at least a lot of folks yeah like steve papustis and um glenn scoville Sco, Sco, scofield field scoville yes
2: and obviously, now we've got like just this week we had this Return to Moria game, which apparently is not great, but it's like it's just enough if you really love Lord of the Rings to like kind of get you in there. And obviously, we had Gollum. That was another one. We and don't talk about we've got we haven't really had any strategy games in the Lord of the Rings universe for the uh, last little while, have we? Not because there was for like the whole while. RTS like War of the Ring thing, oh, oh, yeah, ages War and ago. The North
3: and stuff. There was. War um, the North, sorry, yeah. You know what? I think a, a genuinely a really great Lord of the Rings game is Lego Lord of the Rings. Um, I have not played oh, it, but
2: they're always good, so I'm not surprised. It was, I it think sense. it
3: was the first Lego game where they first started using the vocal stems from the movie. Okay, um, okay. And it's just it's just really funny and really cute. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. There. So yeah, return of the king, baby.
4: Hell yeah!
0: Jake, what's your game for this week? Uh, I was I was gonna do the Matrix path of neo but to not to not do another movie game uh 17 years ago in 2006 because i'm predictable as hell we had tony hawk's project eight this one is often forgotten uh, yeah but you project, had me until
3: you said project eight I was like, project
0: eight was like the first for a uh, at least in, in my mind the, the one that really kind of felt built for ps3 and 360 generation um it had semi it had a little bit more bigger levels the graphics were pretty awesome at the time and there was a gameplay mechanic that uh i can't believe i could speak so clearly to this 17 year old game there was a gameplay mechanic that seemed like a gimmick at first but once you got into it actually was pretty awesome so when you were airborne if you click the left and right stick at the same time it would go into slow motion mode like bullet time and with the analog sticks you were able to flip the direction of your board. So essentially your 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 feet were the sticks and like you could flick your stick to the right and their back foot would kick the board and spin it. So you could just do a bunch of like weird spins on your board midair and then still try and time it right to have it land perfectly right before you hit the ground. And it actually made for some compelling fun little combo extensions. They never Mm. really carried it through to another game, but it was a fun little spin on the formula. I,
2: recognize I think that's how box. Project Skate controls, right? Do you know you somewhat? Yeah. Project Skate, yeah, yeah, but without the slow mode shit. Like it's meant to be more realistic, but it's the same idea of like the two sticks are the front and back trucks, and like yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It was it was it was cool for that, and uh, yeah, people forget about that one. But
2: I actually I, I really like it. I don't even know that I ever knew that
0: existed. Yeah, I just honest. I just googled I, it and
3: I was like, oh, I recognize that box art. The I mean, white was half of... Uh,
0: yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, they made him look hot. Um, the, the the problem is... Uh, not the problem, but it oh, was yeah, uh, American one, Wasteland. That was the one that a lot of people have nostalgia for, a yeah. lot of people bring up. Uh, and I don't think that one's that good. What um, was the
3: soundtrack like on this one?
0: Oh, it had... Um, <laughs> that was like the main <laughs> song. And uh, it was good. Yeah. I went to Metacritic to look at
4: all the, um, the scores and the reviews for the game, and uh, unsurprising to no one, um, none of the reviews load because most of the websites don't exist anymore. So oh. <laughs> I did.
3: I did see the game GameSpot one was seven point three from Jeff Gerstmann.
4: I tried to read it okay. and it wouldn't load. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'll report I that to engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um all righty my game to no surprise to anyone to keep in theme with mario is super mario 3d land for the nintendo 3ds that came out about 12 years ago Shut 13 up. years ago yeah no. 20 2011, Wow, that um, was when it came out um i think this is one of the most underrated uh platformers in mario's history uh it sold about 12 million units so a lot of people did play it but wow. Um, it's a 3d platformer that's technically done in a 2d style, right? Mm. It's got, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's paved the way for super Mario 3d world. This being kind of the precursor or sequel for 3d land. One of the first games to properly utilize the 3d on the 3ds. And, uh, it's very cute. It's very fun. Uh, if they made this, made the camera a little bit wider, you could probably put it on a console today and. There you go, Nintendo. Free idea. and I know you're going to (laughs) charge 70 bucks for it, you jerks, but there you go. Um, uh, Yeah, I I really like it. Uh, Very, very fun game. Very hard to complete if you're not paying attention because if you die more than five times, you cannot technically complete it.
1: What? What?
4: Yeah. Uh, If you die more than five times in Super Mario 3D Land, uh, you get stars and like sheens for your completion. Mm -hmm. And if you die more than five times, you can't get... The sheen at the end of your profile. So, oh, I if, see. You mean, okay. If you die, you have to turn off your 3DS and not save. Holy shit! So don't do that because I did that when I first played the game for the show and had to replay the entire game when it was too late. So don't do what I did. Uh, that's it. This that's it. This week of the way back, back to you,
0: Jake. Woo. Uh What a week! Wow, a lot of stuff. <laughs> that Thank was you guys a lot, for being here. Thank you to everybody that joined us for all the other segments uh we got to get back to playing a bunch of other games to talk about for the rest of the season so let's go do that uh anybody have anything special they'd like to share before before we go no. um
2: no it's i'm looking forward to playing robocop that's my focus yes
0: i agree i'd love to f- <laughs> i just like focusing on robocop maybe i'll watch well-
3: robocop for the first time
0: like, what? what oh my god oh, you go. knew
3: this about me
2: no. Lucy, you, did Lucy, I already run. know this and I just blocked it Lucy, out because it's run. such a painful rec- run, painful, Lucy, painful revelation
0: god.
3: <laughs> I'm so sorry I'll definitely watch it before Game Awards
0: <laughs> apologize to him to Alex Murphy I'm sorry Alex yeah, Mr., man.
3: Mr. Murphy he's been sir? through
0: so much he died Mur- for your sins <laughs> he died in Rosa again for you <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh well with that uh, thank you folks for listening thank you to the sponsors thanks for the guests uh, rating us on the podcast platforms does help clicking the like button on the video version does actually help so if you like us thanks for doing that but that's really it thank you guys for watching tie your shoes and go to bed